0: Conversation with Steve Allen. Morning! Talking to fish, honestly. No hope is there, really. I, mean, I might just start talking to the wall. Perhaps I'll just wander about and talk to light bulbs or something. I mean, talking to fish. I mean, I don't mind talking to fish. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm quite happy to talk to fish. It's just when the fact, you know, there's somebody sitting in the room, and he, he, he probably heard me say, morning, fish. And he's probably thinking, you know, that's Steve Allen. He's mad as a fruit bat. Mad as a fruit bat. And the worst thing was, it was dark in the room. I didn't even see it was there. I said, why is it dark? So I don't like the lights on in the morning. I thought, oh, God. Very worrying. I've decided I've made a big decision, actually. Made a big decision last night. I tweeted it. I'm not going to shop in Starbucks ever again. I think that's quite a big decision. I think that's... I think I'm going to kick them where it hurts. You know, I shouldn't imagine the money I spend in there is going to make the slightest difference to them. But on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a conscience note... You know, I've decided I'm not going to buy any more Starbucks coffee. I mean, you know, we have been buying Starbucks coffee almost, well, on, on a daily basis. Almost on a daily basis. And uh, I like all the staff in there, but I just can't, you know, I work hard for my money. I pay tax. You know, I don't see a company with a turnover of billions, you know, who, who isn't paying tax. All legal. That's the worst thing. It's all legal. What they've done is they've sort of set up so many different companies and it's one company who lends them the money to open this shop and then this company pays 6% of its tax on a, a cup of coffee to another company. It's, it's called internal juggling and it's perfectly legal. I just can't bring myself to ever buy another cup of coffee there again. I'm so sorry. Sorry, Starbucks, but you've completely, you know, the whole country... You know, and all the papers are full today of the story saying, you know, could we see the end of Starbucks? I walked past it yesterday, there were people in there, I felt like opening the door and saying, you know, why are you you drinking coffee with with a company that doesn't pay any tax? Get out! Get out! But I thought, no, 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 that would be a bit stupid, that would be a bit naff, and you don't do that kind of thing. But I'm not shopping there ever again. I'm really not. I mean, I don't know where I'm going to go, actually, Nero's... No, Pret's coffee is horrible. Pret's coffee is really disgusting. I don't like that at all. I might go to... um, I might go to... We have a a Costa coffee, which is going to open up. And I'm not a big fan of Costa, but... Yeah, they do a a good hot chocolate, but I don't do hot chocolate, which is a bit of a problem, really. I suppose it'll have to be Nero's. My friend Graham does Costa coffee, because he likes the... uh, If ever I'm not there for the morning, he goes to Waitrose, because they've got a Costa there. We're going to have one on the high street. So I'm sorry, Starbucks, you've screwed it. You know, and I think it's, I know it's all legal and I know it's, you know, it's all fine and everything else. And that's probably how you do business. But I don't see how you can equate with the little person in the street who's coming and spending a lot of money. I spend £2.85 twice a day on on a cup of coffee in Starbucks. I get it for £2.50 because I've got one of their loyalty cards because I've been a loyal customer. But I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't shop there ever again. So uh, that was my big decision. I did it last night. I thought about it last night and I thought, could I actually live without Starbucks coffee? Yes. You know, is it going to hurt them? No. Will it make a difference me mentioning it on the radio? I hope so. I hope so. I would like to think that, you know, unless they get their act together and, and start paying some tax for the, to, to this country, you know, their their business could collapse. I could see a campaign starting here. Not from me. I could see the newspapers. It's in most of the newspapers already today. And they're, and they're saying roughly the same as me. They're saying, you know, why should we be shopping here and buying, you know, and spending our hard-earned money for a company that doesn't pay any tax? You know, in three years, they've paid pff, piddling amounts. Piddling amounts. So, uh, sorry, Starbucks, but I ain't buying your coffee anymore. There you go. Let's wait and see how many other people are going to do it as well. Um, apparently, the telly hit, My Big Fat Put- Gypsy Wedding... Uh, has triggered a rise in bullying of traveller children. Really? <laughs> Where does this rubbish come from? Apparently, evidence provided to the Advertising Standards Agency said the show had significantly contributed to racist bullying and abuse of gypsy, Roma and traveller children in school. They don't go to school. That's the whole idea of it. They don't go to school. That's why 90% of traveller children can't read or write. You know, you get these girls who pitch up wearing what can only be described as hooker outfits, and they can't read or write their own name. They're illiterate. They say here, the billboard campaign had played its part and to some extent exaggerated the effect of the programme. No, it didn't at all. What a load of old cobblers. People do write the biggest load of rubbish, don't they? Everybody knows, you know, that everybody knows what goes on on traveller sites. That's where all the men are pixelated and the women conveniently disappear, so you're left with the revolting children who have no respect for anybody whatsoever. Least of all us on the outside world. Uh, also, the paper today... Uh, oh, what was that? Oh, yes. Ashley's Suicide Torment. I heard that Duncan mentioned this earlier on. I was intrigued by it. I had to grab a copy of the paper. And this is uh, Ashley Cole, a waste of space at the best of times, I'm afraid, who apparently sparked suicide fears when his marriage to Cheryl collapsed. Who said this? Not Ashley, but a pal. He says... Uh, the England star told a pal, I don't want to be here anymore. No, I think it's what she thought about you as well. It's what she thought about you as well. This is uh, Ashley, can't keep it in your pants, Cole. You know, a, a more naff person, you'd be hard pushed to find I'm afraid. So I wasn't too worried about that. I was more worried about the ghastly Ryland Clark. This is the one on the X Factor. Everybody said exactly the same. You read all the internet sites, and uh, people are saying the same thing. He set the gay movement back about three hundred years. An embarrassment to himself. A bloke with no talent whatsoever for doing anything apart from acting as a five-year-old on the streets of London. Tried to pull some windscreen wipers off a bus. Luckily, the hotel that he was staying in kicked him out, and he's staying at a travel lodge or something nearer the uh, the uh, the studios. Best place for him. Actually, there's no point in trying to elevate yourself. You've had your five seconds of fame. Now. S- go away. <laughs> I'm so bored with him. I mean, it's just, he's, like, he's on a television programme which is for singing, and he's behaving like the biggest Mary in the road. You know, it's just an embarrassment. You're a silly little girl's blouse. Go away. Try and grow up. You know, that. do everybody a big favour. And uh, I can't stand him. I cannot stand him. Him, Harry Durbridge, you know, these stereotypical poofs on the television, I don't want to see. I'm ever so sorry. Just don't want to see that kind of thing. Uh, Daily Express today... Oh, they, they've decided to wade into the French fishermen, you know, because French fishermen don't, don't like us. Mind you, we don't like French fishermen? Pfft, all stink of garlic, drunk, drunken old bums they are, that's what they are. And uh, now they're, they're, they're trying to plunder our scallops. <laughs> it's outrageous. Uh, so that was that one. What was the Mirror doing today? Oh, 32 years with Savile. Uh, his assistant has now come out and sold her story. They're all doing it, have you noticed? Well, Alison Pearson, writing in one of the papers today, comes up with a very interesting comment, which you might or might not agree with. I mean, I happen to agree with it. She was talking about Jimmy Savile and then saying that there's all these women who've actually come out to say that their breasts were jiggled with and they were, you know, and, that, and she says, let's, let's be honest, it happened to everybody. It happened to everybody. You know, that culture. She said it was a different time. It was a different time. We're not saying it was right, but she said it's overshadowing the fact that Jimmy Savile was a paedophile pervert and went about molesting young girls from as young as 11. You know, people who, who didn't know and didn't know any better and couldn't do anything about it because when they did complain, if they were in care, people said, don't be so silly. It's Jimmy Savile, he's a god. Oh, now then, now then, I'm nearest to Jesus. And that kind of stuff. You know, the man was a pervert. Everybody knows what he was. And Alison and has said... In a, in a nutshell, you know, the, these women who complain complaining about I mean, their breasts jiggled with and people putting their hand up their skirt and things like that, that was what happened. You know, it didn't affect them in any way. It doesn't make it OK, but it was a different time, she said. And what you're doing is you're overshadowing. Somebody coming up and pinching your ass. you know, being overshadowed and trying to overshadow what Jimmy Savile was up to. It's not the same at all. It went on everywhere. Every single place of work, it went on. Women have always had this. Some men have had it. Some men have had it, you know, where they've gone into work and people have sort of come onto them and things like that, and you just shrug it off. You oh, go away, you silly old tart. You know, that's what happens. It's completely different from the Jimmy Savile case. Completely different. Completely separate issue. But uh, you know, the jiggling of your boobs and the pinch on the bum—that's what happened. It went on. Does make it right? But that was what happened at the time. Nobody really cared about it. They just put it down to the fact that I'll get you tomorrow. Like in the playground kind of thing. Jimmy Savile was just a bit more predatory. <sighs> LBC.co.uk 84850, or at Steve Allen Show. Because yesterday I did Dustin Hoffman. God, in the presence of a legend. In the presence of a legend. I go up there and I've I'd, I'd never met Dustin Hoffman, as you can imagine. And uh, our paths have never crossed. He won't forget me, though, because uh, I, I did the whole bit. I mean, I told him what a fan I was. He's done 45 films. His kids have never seen his films. They've never seen his films, he said. And I said to them, he said, you know, do, do, do you think maybe you want to watch my films? Uh, they went, no, not really. <laughs> They've heard him in Kung Fu Panda. But, I mean, a more charming person, you'd be hard pushed to find. I mean, he, really, he, was, he was lovely. He really was. Emma Dale. It's 40. I don't know whether or not that that means anything to anybody. I like Emmerdale as a soap. I don't think they've got a Starbucks in Emmerdale. Have they got a Starbucks? No, they haven't got a Starbucks in Emmerdale. And uh, Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are planning to ditch Hollywood for Cornwall. Oh, God, we've got to put up with her over here. I wonder how long it'll be before she strays again. Not too long, I shouldn't imagine. Not the light down in Cornwall. Um, Now, Jimmy Savile's latest attack was on his paper boy. Apparently, he uh, gave him a Christmas bonus of 40 quid. And uh, and pulled his trousers down, and then Jimmy Savile pulled his trousers down. To be honest with you, I mean, I'd, I don't know any of this kind of side of it. I thought Jimmy Savile was just little girls. We never heard Jimmy Savile little boys. We ne- that was never that was that never came into the equation. It was almost Jimmy Savile all oh, little girls. Never never once did I hear it as um, as little boys. I don't remember that that side of it at all. But now they're all kind of, Mind you, you could say anything, can't you? He's dead. He's he's pushing up daisies or might be pushing up something, if they dig him up and cremate him and then scatter his ashes somewhere where it's not an embarrassment to anybody. Uh, Jane Moore today is talking about Anna Lark. You know who Anna Lark is, don't you? She's the girl who took Justin Lee Collins to court. And she says, so why did she go back to Justin Lee Collins? But unfortunately, women do that. Men who abuse women. I remember when <coughs> um, there was a, uh, a shelter in Chiswick for battered women and it was women who'd been abused by their husbands, and they literally couldn't take it anymore. so they went to this this battered women's shelter. You remember, of course, Paul Gascoigne uh, abused his wife, and she went back. She went back to him, and I, I couldn't understand why why people do it either. And apparently it's some sort of hold, some sort of hold that these men have on them. I don't know what Justin Lee Collins is like. I've never interviewed him. I've never liked him. In fact, I've said openly on the programme, I never liked him at all. You know, the fact that, uh, that Anna Lark... You know, started a relationship and then took him to court. I should. Then I think that they found somebody else the other day. I mean, it just it just goes on, doesn't it? You never know what somebody's like. Don't ever take their television persona as face value, because some of them are harbouring some really nasty demons. LBC ninety seven. Table, morning mouse, morning keypad, morning microphone morning walls, morning ceilings, after I talked to the fish this morning. That, that is going to go around Capital this morning like a, like a broom, I can tell. He'll be saying, he'll be say, Dave Berry will come in and say, that, that Steve Allen talks to the fish in the morning. I mean, the trouble is I have started talking to them every morning. Sometimes I've actually gone up and touched the edge of the glass and they think I'm going to feed them. So they, if they're asleep, they kind of go, ooh, they start getting a bit sort of world-weary and moving about at pace. But they haven't got very far to go. It's, it's quite a nice little aquarium. You know, and they're, and they're quite nice fish, and they, they seem to be quite happy. But um, I'm not like, you know, we're not picking out curtains with them or nothing like that. I'm just sort of talking to the morning fish. But if, if I'd known the blooming presenter was in the room, I wouldn't have said a dicky bird. It really <laughs> just makes you, makes you look so stupid, doesn't it? I've been caught doing things like that before. i found myself talking to things. As I've walked down the high street, I have to pretend I'm on the phone. If I do it in the car, I pretend I'm on the phone. So people pulling up alongside me think, oh, he's talking on the phone. I'm not. I'm just mumbling away to myself. I'm quite mad, I'm afraid, really. Quite mad. Um, I see that Radovan Karadich is at the papers today. I'm really a good guy, goes this murdering so-and-so. And And, uh, he says, I should be rewarded for all the good things. I think they're going to hang you, mate. I'd brace yourself for meeting your maker. In your case, it'll be a place full of fire and brimstone and and very hot, Okay, You ain't going to heaven, pal. You're going to die horribly. Simple as that. I see a top British... I mean, obviously, this is a stupid story. This is the kind of thing that really sort of makes me worry about the state of the nation. A top British diplomat has sparked fury... After suggesting that Argentine's sake, honestly, they're definitely all gay. All Argent you want to push it again? All Argentinians are gay, all right? They go together with all estate agents, every member of the royal household, every member of Parliament, they're all gay. Everybody is gay and they're cowards. And that apparently sparked fury. That sparked fury when he said that Argentinians were gay and cowards. Spark fury with who? I mean, I cannot imagine it john benjamin, who 's britain 's ambassador to Chile, quoted from a football chant sung by Chilean fans about their South American neighbors. He meant to send it in a private message, but he posted it to one of his 10, 000, to all of his ten thousand followers. Uh, one angry Argentinian Twitter user threatened to beat him up because they 're class aren 't they I mean, have you ever heard of it a gay Argentinian beating somebody up to be so stupid <laughs> another one. Uh, called the tweet an insult to all Argentinians who lost their lives in the Falklands. Oh, God, honestly. Yeah, and we lost people in the Great Fire of London. You know, Pudding Lane's got a lot to answer for, let me tell you. A lot of our relatives went there. They're so sensitive, aren't they, the Argentinians? We don't like your corned beef and you're not having the Mulvinas back. Okay, Simple as that. And you're all gay. I said, why why do people get so, you know, a silly little tweet like that. Everybody knows you can't libel a nation or a group of people. You know, it's when you say all the state agents are gay. It's like saying all the state agents are bent. That's probably that's probably nearer the truth, actually. Probably nearer the truth than saying all the state agents are gay because some of them are desperately unattractive. So perhaps we should go with all the state agents are ugly. You know that would that would be a good thing to upset estate agents. I quite like that idea. Mind you, talking of ugly, I see there's pictures in the group of little minx, mix, and uh, they're in the paper today. And Zayn Malik is apparently going out with one of them, Perry Edwards, and uh, he's he's I think he's Perry, yeah she's the blonde one, and he's the one I don't know who he is. Is just is is in a is in a, a little girl band. And um boy band, sorry, girl' but boy band yeah and he's, and he 's in this this little band, which is quite sweet, but he actually said, because he 's actually been getting offensive things, he said this this will obviously go for a long while. I thought you 're assuming that the group you 're in is going to last for a long while. I give them about another year, then they 'll start growing beards and uh, and then you know one of them will turn out to be gay, and then the rest of them will just disband. Well, beards on boy bands look a bit silly at the moment. They're all quaffered up, aren't they? They've got they've got all their makeup put on there. It's not a sign of maturity at all. It just looks lazy. It's sloppy and lazy. Wouldn't find somebody like Christo with a beard, would you? I mean, that would look silly. I mean, that would just look absolutely ridiculous. Look like a toilet brush just up the wrong end. I never had designer stubble. I've always gone out clean-shaven. I'm not that kind of person. I mean, the idea of somebody doesn't shave in the morning is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. I mean, you know, a, a sort of an upended uh, cotton bud, you know, with uh, with sort of half a day's growth. I mean, some people think it looks butch. I don't think it looks butch at all. I see, you know, cle- clean shaven is the way forward. You know, Grizzly Adams never did it for me. Billy Connolly, all these sort of, you know, these people with beard. Father Christmas is different. We like Father Christmas. He can actually get away with a beard, that's all right. But but when you see the moustaches being grown on Little Minx, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that they're, they're taking the village people look a little bit too far. It's gone a little bit too far. I mean, apart from the fact they must be the only girl band who really are all ugly. I mean, you know, uglies. I've never seen so many ugly people. Anyway, she's going out with this Zane... Malik. This is Perry Edwards. Perry. i will say Who ever heard of somebody called after a cheap drink, and um, and so she's there. And and then he was sort of saying, you know, I get all these tweets because I'm famous, and I'm thinking, well, don't worry, dear, it won't last for long. You know, give him another year. Then they start looking older, and then immediately they they sort of go into their grunge period. Do you remember when was it? Was it Take That? They sort of disappeared for a while. And then they ca- Gary Barlow always looked the same, but in fact Howard and the other one. Just started looking grungy. One had dreadlocks on, you know, like, okay, fashion. And then they started sporting tattoos and unshaven. And you think it's because when you're in a boy band, they want you to look young forever. So when you see all the little airbrushed pictures of, of, of Take Me, that, uh, and of, of, um, of one, one over that direction, uh, turn, turn right, do not pass, go, stop at the red lights, and, and there, and there, they're there. they are airbrushed to look young. It's only when you see them, you suddenly realise they've got marks all over them. So Nobody's perfect now. Everybody's airbrushed. For that, you only have to see the last Steve Allen brochure for the, for the show we did, where I was airbrushed so much in one picture, even I never recognised me. But uh, in fact, I found one in the drawer the other day. It's, it's, it's regularly passed around the office so that people can have a good old laugh which I don't mind, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. So uh, so you wait. The, the moment One Direction grow up is the moment the fans desert them and they'll find another little group. I think there is another little uh, boy band at the moment. They've already done the usual route. They've been photographed out on the streets lifting their shirts up, you know, to show you their, their little tummies. And, and then they've, they've, they've tweeted pictures of themselves with their shirts off. It's all in an effort to get the little prepubescent girls interested in a boy band because without the girls turning up, you know, there is no boy band, so they all do the same thing. So they've all done it. You know, it's like, I suppose, um, JLS. J- J- JLS? J- no, who are they? JL. me? J- JLS, yeah. And, uh, and, and they go around sort of grabbing their, their crotches, you know, in all pictures. And when you think the lead singer or the, uh, what I call, slightly less butch one out of the group, is, um, you know, used to go round singing Puff the Magic Dragon and She'll Be Coming Round the Mountain. I used to watch him on a Saturday morning on the television. It was quite funny. And then you see them in boy bands. They do that for the girl because the girls stand outside here and scream. I thought it was for me the other day. Was low, I had to run the, run the gauntlet outside the building. I'd sort of try, excuse me, excuse me, hello. Yes, I'm very famous, thank you. Sort of swept my way through. and Nobody asked my autograph, because I was fast. I was. I got through, I got through really, really quickly. But uh, but that's, that's how it works nowadays. You know, everybody's got a shelf life. And all these boy bands and girl bands. I mean, I has anybody ever heard Little Minx Mix sing? Has anybody ever heard them sing live? Yeah, we, we've heard a single. which was that ghastly record about, what was it called? It was wet or windy or something. I can't remember what it's called now. Wind, wing, wing. I mean, how ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, wing, wings. Here's our here's our new single Wings, and here we are miming to it. And we've made a video. I mean, how to make you know four girls look even less attractive in their video? Ghastly, over made up old things. You know, you could stick them in the anywhere's Essex, and they would be really, really unattractive. Really, really unattractive. Eight four eight five zero. Stephen LBC dot co dot uk. Someone just sent me a a Twitter this morning. Who's this one from? Oh, I think this is. Uh, I think this is. Uh, Who's this from here? Oh, I think that... Oh, this is Paul Paul Savory, who sent me a picture. He said, I saw this at the supermarket and thought of you, and it's pumpkin pie, because, of course, it's big over there in America. And this reminds me of the time, Paul, because he's listening in America at the moment. Uh, it's, we, we went to his house for Thanksgiving... And he served up pumpkin pie, and it was horrid. It was absolutely awful. And so, because he's seen it in the supermarket this morning, he thought he'd send me a lovely picture. Uh, Did you have yams? No, I can't remember. We had turkey for Thanksgiving. We had turkey and cranberry sauce, and then this ghastly pumpkin pie. It was... I don't know what yams are either. What are you, what are yams? Somebody will tell us what yams. are. No, we didn't know. You have pump. You have um. You have turkey for Thanksgiving. But the thing is, if if you know that there's an American in town, you have it's tradition to invite them round, so that they can come and share Thanksgiving with you. And so we had a full table of about I don't know. I think there was about eight of us, or with this ghastly pumpkin pie. And he gave me a tin of it. To, I've still got it at home. A tin of this pumpkin pie mix. Ugh, oh, disgusting, horrible. I've never actually. I've never actually eaten it since and would not want to, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, apart from that, yesterday, very, very nice. uh, Very, very nice. Um, And uh, one here that says, Argentinians gay. I'm sure they meant Brazilian. Even Brazilian women say that all their men are gay. Well, they have to be, don't they? Have you seen Brazilian women? There's more moustaches and sideburns on Brazilian women than anybody else I've ever seen in my life, actually. Uh, Apparently, I bet the fish look forward to your hello every morning. Are you uh, are you Pisces? Yes. I oh, shit, I'm strangely drawn to water. Actually, I'm strange. I would love to live overlooking water. I can be good by water. I like things like that. I don't know what it is about water that's sort of strange. But I mean, it, it's got nothing to do with that, that. I talk to the fish. I just feel sorry for them. You know, it's uh, it's it's just the way it goes. I'm afraid. You know, you do talk to you. Uh, why do we? It's like talking to babies. We get uh, don't you say to me. Uh, we, we talk to them like they're, you know, about five months old. Of course, many of them are. And, uh, and I always do that. I always make kids laugh. I can make kids laugh quite easily. I'm really good at that. I'm one of these stupid adults who hasn't quite grown up in the, in the childhood. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit Peter Pan. You know, I think children, in fact, even my friend Michael, whenever, <laughs> whenever there's children in the shop, he says to the pet, just leave them with Steve. He'll have them laughing and you sit there and you sort of, and then you poke your tongue out and then you go Pfft, like that. And kids think that's really funny. Especially if you do it quite a lot. So, I mean, I, I I can make anybody laugh by doing it. You just go, and people think it's funny. You know, even newsreaders have been known to break a smile over things like that. I don't know why. Just, you know, probably the fish would be smiling if they were down here at the moment, and you go, like that, because it's apparently quite funny. Also means I've just wet the papers, unfortunately, and sort of also wet the screen at the same time. But do I care? No, of course I don't, because it's Wednesday. I, really, I don't care about anything this morning. I really don't. I fell over last night and I've damaged the back of my legs and I was going to show somebody in the office this morning how how badly bruised I am. And I thought better of it. I thought they might think it's slightly peculiar. It's uh, LBC 97.3. Time now is 4.30. With Steve Allen. Just in case you're running for a bus, you won't be, of course, at this time of the morning. It's 28 minutes to 5. You don't really care, do you? What, 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 what sort of time is it? But who cares? I mean, that's, don't go, don't go and run for the bus. Don't go for the train. Stay at home in bed. Pull the duvet up a little bit. Turn the radio up just a fraction, just a fraction. Uh, a yam is a tropical stem tuber like a potato, but it grows far bigger. Thank you. There you go. That's what a yam. Yes, it's it's it, aren't yams? Isn't yam another way word for a sweet potato? Isn't isn't a yam a sweet potato? And you and you cook it. I mean, I think it's found in West Indian cooking. Would that be right? Something like that? Yams? I'm only guessing. I've probably got that completely... It certainly didn't feature in my cooking. But I think you can buy them. I think they are, they are quite large, aren't they? Quite large. You see them in sort of specialist green growth. Paul Cooper probably does, does yams or can probably get hold of them. Uh, Steve, James is in the Isle of Wight. Not normally awake at the start of the show, but couldn't agree with you more about that, um, that gay boy. This is Ryland. I mean, an embarrassment to everybody. You know, an absolute embarrassment. Somebody wrote in one of the papers yesterday and somebody was writing in a, on a forum saying an embarrassment to gay people, because that then straight people think that's what all gay people are like. He set he set it all back about 300 years. You know, very childish, very stupid, no talent whatsoever. And then somebody else wrote, oh, well, he wants to be famous, he's making something of himself. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's an embarrassment. No point in just pitching up just because you're gay. You know, that would be rather stupid, isn't it? Somebody who's pitching up and going, oh, just because I'm gay and this is how I behave. Just, you know, go to any gay bar in Old Compton Street, you'll probably find loads of people like him. Or I'm sure, actually, you go up the country, you'll find more. Sheffield, I think, would be (laughs) a fairly popular place. Uh, It's called Stockholm Syndrome, Steve. Abused women return to the abuser. Right, because we, we've we've tried to understand that over the years, haven't we? Why women have been abused by somebody and then go to the newspapers? Then they go back to the person who abused them. Paul Gascoigne was a classic case. Somebody said to me, "Ag said, oh, but he was a great footballer." I said, "That does not excuse it. That does not excuse it at all." And uh, Claire says, "Sexual assault did matter to the women. It happened to. Well, it didn't." It didn't all the time. It wasn't, it wasn't a sexual assault. Just patting somebody on the bum and things like that, that's not a sexual assault. That happened. It happened. And she said, and not everyone was at it. Well, most people were at it, Claire. It happened in, in every industry I can think of. Whether you worked in a garage on the petrol pumps or you worked as a firefighter or you worked in a shop, everywhere, there's always going to be somebody. I mean, the papers are full of it on a daily basis. I've been reading about it for 40 years So uh, perhaps it didn't happen to you, perhaps nobody ever patted you on the bum, perhaps nobody ever touched you inappropriately, but I'm telling you, it went on all over the place, and it was far more widespread. If you think Jimmy Savile's, uh, you know, predilection for young girls was widespread, God blimey, I could name you a tonne of people in the business for whom a similar thing was happening as well. And in fact, somebody's even said, I think in one of the papers, I can't remember which paper it is, that... um, Was it yesterday? Was I read it this morning? No, I read it this morning. Oh, it's on the front of the sun. And this is um, uh, John Simpson, the top journalist, who says that BBC bosses covered up child abuse spanning 40 years by a children's radio favourite. A children's radio favourite who was on air from, apparently, the 1920s. Uh, Simpson referred to the pervert as, uh, well, anyway, whatever, and uh, he learned that the much-loved star preyed on youngsters on BBC premises, but... He was uh, he was sort of told just don't don't sort of don't bother about it 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 just goes on. he suggested exposing him, and the BBC's veil of science, silence extended as high up as the director general uh, This was one of the BBC's biggest names from the 1920s until he died in 1967 well, I can't I, I mean I shouldn't take too much to work out who that is, but I've got no idea, I'm afraid no idea. But uh, Simpson revealed the dark secret chillingly, echoed by Jim Will Fix It presenter Savile's decades-long abuse in his 1999 autobiography, Strange Places, Questionable People. Um, He was given details of the abuse by a female colleague. The woman he referred to as Auntie Gladys referred to the man as an old, evil, old so-and-so and and said, I hope he dies in agony. Well, he's dead as well. Uh, the producer of Fix It admitted yesterday he knew Savile had a predilection for younger females, but Roger Audish uh, says the manipulative star had hoodwinked him and left him completely unaware of his activities. He said, I didn't see anything and nothing was reported to me. There you go. 84850, co dot uk. It's going to run and run, this one here. You know, it's it's going to run and run and run. Uh, Dave says, did you take drugs or a little tipple or two this morning? No. So, well, I did take drugs, yes. I absolutely took took drugs this morning. I take them every morning. I take them every morning, every lunchtime, every evening. I seem to spend my life taking drugs. When I was talking to Dustin Hoffman yesterday, I said, I said We're because he's 75, but let me tell you, he doesn't look it. He does not look seventy-five. He, he absolutely is uh, is wonderful. He really is. And I said, I said, we're, we're now, we're, "Pardon me." We're now at that age where we know all the medication that we take. And he said, "You're so right." He said, "Now he said, you, you line up the tablets in the morning to get you through the day." I said, "I do that every day, every single day." It's ghastly, isn't it? Uh, eight for 8 for five, Get some arnica from the chemist for your bruised legs. I've got blood. I've got blood on the back of my leg. It's really worrying. I sort of woke up, my leg was aching, and I think last night I fell over. I came out of the kitchen, and I'd just done myself some sausages. And, uh, and I tripped over something, it was a cable or something, and I went face down in my plate of sausages. One of them has vanished beyond belief. I don't know where it's gone to. It's disappeared completely in the sitting room. I shall have to hunt round later on today for the mystery sausage. Mystery sausage. Sound one- sounds wonderful, doesn't it, really? Uh, Claire says, I've never heard your show before, but you're hilarious. Not at all. We have to do something at this time of the morning. It's either that or I could do knitting for you, and knitting's not so exciting. You know, I mean, it'd be marginally interesting for them watching and here, but I promise you, if you're actually listening at home to somebody knitting, it's not very good at all. So that's why we, we prefer to rip into celebrities, and uh, we prefer to, to say, I suppose, really, what you're saying. I mean, people have now stopped saying to me, oh, you're you know, you're very bitchy. They used to say that all the time. they said, say, oh, you're really bitchy. And now people say, do you know, I agree with you 100%. Sometimes people will write in and they say, listen, I mean, this morning I didn't agree with you, but I still listen all the time because I'm, I'm one of the only presenters, I think, that you'll ever hear who... Uh, who I'm, I'm, I'm not Marmite. You know when you get a Marmite presenter, you either love them or hate them. I get people who, who really don't like me but who listen every day. That's the funny thing about it, that they absolutely hate me so much that they listen every day, which is... I love it. I love it, because you want to write back to them, but you know that, you know, Matron wouldn't allow them really to have anything sharp and probably not allowed to open their own letters, so that doesn't, uh, that doesn't happen. And most of them are in homes. I don't mind talking to people in homes. Uh, they're also talking in the paper today, because most people are in homes unless you're living on the streets, in which case, you know, you're not living in a home at all, you're probably just in a doorway at the moment. Well, somebody in the doorway as I came through the square today, and then a plaintive voice said... Have you got any change? I looked at them with, with, you know, distaste. No. Do I look like I've got change? And then I went, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. You know, just to just to really reaffirm the fact that I did have some money on me. So they're talking about the wet summer and how, in the wet weather, what do your thoughts turn to? They turn to going away on holiday. And so they've done this. I mean, like that, that crackpot survey the other day, that most children go to school hungry. You know, so, and, you, and that was done by Kellogg's. You know, so all Kellogg's did. They sit there go, how can we get our name in all the papers today? Let's say that most children go to school hungry, because i I'd never heard such a load of old hogwash in my entire life. A load of old crackpots sitting there at Kellogg's going, let's try and get people to eat our vastly expensive and overpriced cereal, which is really bad for kids, because it's full of sugar. And the one thing you don't want is cereal full of sugar. So, they, I mean, I couldn't even believe we were running it on LBC, but we did. And uh, so now... They, they have a survey. Uh, this is... It's from a... I, w- I won't tell you who it's from, because it's from one of these companies who's desperate. And it's, they've said here, a surge in bookings for half-term breaks. I mean, you know, you might as well... Th- this actually could have been run from 1,500 years ago, because every time it comes to half-term, people go away on holiday. And so what they've done is, where are people's favourite destinations? It's the stupidest survey you've ever read, but this is how people get their names in the paper. That's why I'm not going to mention... The company in any way, shape or form. Number ten, Malta. Nobody goes to Malta unless you're really dumb. There's nothing to do at Malta, okay? Number nine, Dubai. A building site, okay? Nothing for you to do in Dubai. It's horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) I've got a friend over there. Number eight, the Algarve. Okay, Portugal's okay. Seven is Dalaman in Turkey. Six, Fuerteventura. In the Canary Art. That's okay, isn't it? It's like cheap Blackpool, I think. F- Fuerteventura. Uh, number f- number five, numero five, is the Red Sea Resorts. I don't know which they are. Which are the Red Sea Resorts? Oh, who cares? To be honest, to- it's such a silly survey. Number four, Lanza Grotti. <laughs> ghastly, horrible place. Don't go there. Ugh! Oh, filthy and full of Brits. Ugh! Oh ghastly, horrible, food awful, place horrible, volcanic island, you wish the volcanoes would erupt again and blow it to kingdom come, you know, highlight of the trip there, going on a camel up the side of a dead volcano, oh, boring, 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 sandy beaches, I don't think so, it's got, um, it's got that little, uh, stones, you know, from the, from the volcanic ash, I mean, crossing the road, you nearly rip your feet to shreds. I mean, I went with, I was there with, with my godchildren, and Sharon and I at one point, where were we going? We went somewhere, and I decided to walk off the complex, we were on a complex, okay, you know, which, which, which was lovely, provided you don't wander off it, and, uh, and we, we went to cross the road, and I didn't have any, any flip-flops on, or something like that, while crossing the road, it was, every, every 30 seconds, I kept getting my, my feet, Cut to pieces with these razor sharp bits of rock which are everywhere. Sharon is doubled up in laughter. I go, OW! And there's, and there's more blood pours out. I mean, I'm like my own little sort of oil slick going on. And then you sort of go to cross and it's, Ah! Oh! And she, she thought this was the funniest thing ever. So I never want to go back to Lanza Grotti. As I say, I couldn't tell it. So they blow the place to Kingdom Come. Number three, Gran Canaria. Have you ever been? Oh my God. It's brightened with sunshine. It's brightened with sunshine. Well, I don't know why I go to these crap places, but I, we went to... Grand, I'll tell you for why. Morning, JK. Uh, we went to... We went to Gran Canaria because a friend of mine had said, oh, let's go to Gran Canaria, and we went for three days. Now, I'd never been there before, and I have to tell you that the hotel was sensational. When we drove from the uh, the, the airport... And we go past all these horrible, horrible villas with sort of towels hanging on the balconies and, you know, people holding giant beach balls. I assume it was that. And, and then I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to like this. Then we go past that bit and then you get to Palomas at the end. And we stayed in uh, the Ryu Palace which is a German-owned group. Well, i tell you, it was the best hotel I've ever stayed in on holiday. We were going to go out for dinner that night. Uh, We went to have a look at the dining room, thinking it'll be all touristy, but because it's German-owned, it is is fantastic. I mean, the food was just amazing. In fact, we only ever ate out once on that three-day trip. I mean, it was only three days, admittedly. But they had chefs carving, you know, beef, pork, there was chicken, there was all... the biggest salad bar I've ever seen, biggest dessert area, fish vegetarian. I mean, it was, it was just, you didn't need to go anywhere. The food was so good. So we did that. Had beautiful grounds, which overlooked the dunes at the back, which are fairly popular with a lot of elderly men, uh, who obviously were sort of looking for camels or something. And, uh, and so you had these lovely dunes and the pool, and there was this bougainvillea everywhere, these beautiful little pink flowers and orange. I mean, it was just wonderful. It was, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And I bought a lot of Hawaiian shirts, because I had a lot of Hawaiian shirts, not Tommy Bahamas, but they had Hawaiian shirts anyway, so I bought those, and, and I loved it, and so we did three days there, and of course, three days leaves you wanting more, when we came back, I went, that was great, so we went again for a week, that was lovely, and then I went back with my friend Jimmy, and we had the worst weather in living memory, they had storms, rain, it was horrible, I got food poisoning, uh, I mean, at one point, I was so ill, I poured a litre of vodka down the toilet, because it was making me ill to look at the bottle. Feral cats everywhere. Oh, it was God. We weren't in the Rio Palace. We were just round the corner at another Rio, but it wasn't half as good as the one at Maspalomas. So, if you can get in there, it's, it's worth... I thought it was great, and it's well away from the tourists. But it's only like a 20-pence cab ride to go to the Jumbo Centre, which by day is sort of all little knick-knack shops and hula-hula girls and everything else, and, you know, buy these... Ch- but at night term, it turns into the biggest gay bar you've ever seen in your entire life. But it was, it was an interesting place, but not been back there. Ever since it rained, and I vowed I would never, ever go back. It's like sort of not going to Starbucks anymore. I made a conscientious decision I will never, ever go back to Gran Canaria, even though we liked a lot of the people that we met over there, and I'm never, ever going to go into Starbucks again. I don't know how... I think Starbucks are going to hemorrhage... I only said audience today, as opposed to customers. But I think they're going to hemorrhage a lot and they're going to have to start rethinking very quickly because a lot of people are going to start deserting them because who wants to go and add to their profits when they're not contributing a penny piece to the country's economy? I just... I don't understand. I know it's legal. I just can't put the thing together in my mind. LBC with Steve Allen. So, Gran Canaria is at number three, uh, the most popular sunshine destination for Brits this half-term. Number two is Majorca, going to Majorca. And number one, Tenerife. And so a lot of people like to go to places like that. Uh, I've never been there either, but uh, J.K., and uh, and Charlie, he said, it's a horrible day. Horrible! It's a vile day out there, actually. It's a bit, bit drizzly. It's a bit, a bit yuck. He says, to make things worse, I've to put sugar in mine and Charlie's coffee, but we're booking a holiday to Barbados. He's going to Barbados. Obviously paid far too much money, far too much money, going to Barbados. Oh, we're going to Barbados. I love, was that the wrong song, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was... No, no, it was... No, we're off to Barbados. That was typically typically tropical. Oh, we're going to... No, we're going... It wasn't Barbados, was it? Oh, we're going to... No, it's not Ibiza. No. Oh, we're going to... Oh, I can't remember what it was now. Oh, we're going... Tropical Airways. Barbados, Airways. Was it Barbados? Oh, somebody will tell me. Anyway, I'm now getting confused about song titles at this time of the morning. Typically tropical, and it was... It's not Ibiza. Oh, we're going to Ibiza. No, it's not. It wasn't... Oh, we're going to Barbados. It was Barbados by Typically Tropical, you silly woman. got no idea, honestly. Trying to argue with somebody of 12 at this time of the morning is not really my kind of thing. I was better off talking to the fish. Typically Tropical, a British band for their number one hit record, Barbados. Go, I tell you. Whoa, we're going to Barbados. Whoa, under the palm trees. They haven't got palm trees in Ibiza. What was the Ibiza song? It's, uh It certainly wasn't that one, typically tropical. The Wenger Boys. We're going to... Oh, they ripped it off! They ripped it off. Oh, we're going to Ibiza. Was that it? Yeah, they actually did it much later... I'm afraid, much later. Good grief! I'm not saying. Uh, anyway, what am I doing now? Oh yes, oh yes, I'm doing some of your. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm with Steve Allen on LBC. This one says here, taking medicate, uh, talking medication to get you through the day, and the dodginess of Starbucks. No, there's no dodginess of Starbucks. I'm not saying there's any dodges, I'm just saying I'm not going to them ever again for my coffee. I'm sorry, I just think that if you have a big, successful company... And I know it's legal, but if you've got a big, successful company, you contribute to the country. They're on every single high street, and they're not paying tax. And it's all legal, but I just... I mean... Well, I'm not buying coffee there. (laughs) Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I was a dancer in theatres in the mid-70s. There was an expectation that underage girls slept with stars. Most girls accepted it as the norm. I was treated with disgust when I refused. It went on all the time. It went on all the time. It It was everywhere across show business. I mean, I can name you five top stars, as probably casting directors who could name the same stars, that girls got jobs. I mean, I know one of my pundits from ages ago, I won't tell you who it is, but his wife went to work on a seaside show with this particular uh, person, and he did nothing but try it on with everybody. You know, and people just go, oof, go away. You know, dreadful. Very wet this morning, says Jason. A bit, uh, A little bit uh, like in Poland last night for the football. What a joke. Barry in uh, Tilbury says, I've just come back from Malta. We had a week of rest and sunshine. It's not a place for ravers, but there's a lot of history, and they had it bad during World War II. God, how far back do you have to go with a place? They had it real bad, so we're going to go and visit them and inflict the Brits on them in Malta. I don't want to be nice to the Maltese. I don't like them at all. I won't even eat their, their, their chocolates. I'm that kind of person this morning. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> Look, they can't make you, can they uh apparently Duncan Barks goes to Malta a lot oh, well, that explains it that expl- I mean, that explains everything you've now told me everything Duncan Barks he's probably got you know a, a sort of a great card for Malta, a discount card, you know you know sort of aren't aren't he went to Gozo, did he? I don't even know where that is It's near Malta oh, you go we oh, go via Malta, oh God, you think it going to be worse, ladies and gentlemen, you know, goodness sake. Uh how, how come gay people aren't outraged, Steve, about being called Argentinian? Yes, imagine the two worst things you can say to somebody. You're gay and you're Argentinian. You know, it's the kind of thing that sort of, it'll resonate with you for the rest of your life. Sweet potato. Yam is yam. Sweet potato is sweet potato, says Fab, formerly from Jamaica. Thank you. Steve, says Malcolm, I can see Rylan ending up the same way as Frankie Cocosa. Remember him? No. <laughs> Not at all, actually. Uh, 84850. Uh, Dave says, Savile was interfering with uh, prepubescent girls, even though some were 12, they were past puberty, and therefore to describe Savile as a paedophile is incorrect. Well, he was preying on young people. I mean, I, I, I also could probably take issue with, you know, did he just like young girls or was he? Because I always imagine paedophile, you know, to me that signifies somebody of seven and eight You know, would that be... And then somebody says, no, 11. You could say up to 11. So I suppose... And as some of his were 11, there was a picture of a girl in the paper the other day at 11. Whether or not anything happened, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 8 for 850, uk. But we could take issue over over talking about this. Uh, David in uh, Orlando. He says, the latest over here, sweet potato fries. They taste like sweet chips. So, sweet potato fry. Do you know, everything is fried over there, David, isn't it? I was, I was watching the Food Channel the other day, and they were looking at this thing where they serve breakfast. I can't remember where it was, but it just, to me, looked calorie-laden. It was potatoes on their um, hot plate, and then there was, um, um, there was bacon and ham and the, the sauce and then tomato. Oh, I mean, this whole thing was wrapped, and I looked at it. I felt ill. I felt ill looking at it because I thought if you serve that up for breakfast over here, most people would die. Because it's just, it was too big. It was too, too big. All of their food is just lace, laced with, uh, with cheese. Um, cheese is on everything. Cheese is absolutely on everything. You know, we, over here we have a cheese omelette, cheese and ham omelette. Over there they have a cheese and ham omelette with cheese on the outside as well. It does, um, it does go, I'm afraid. Uh, eight for eight, five, oh, Steve LBC. Dot co dot uk. We've got a, a Peter a Peter Andre story emerging. I haven't checked it out actually yet. This is from apparently Music Week, and um, is, <laughs> Peter Andre Peter Andre's got an album out. I find that difficult to believe. Who would buy that? Who would buy a Peter Andre album? Hello, and here's my latest acquisition. It's a Peter Andre album. I mean, you'd be laughed out of the music class. They would laugh you out of the music class. I'm afraid. So, your favourite holiday destination this morning for um, for the uh, for the half term, and it turns out to be Tenerife is the one which you want to go to because you like you like Tenerife. It's obviously a good place. A good place. I'm talking to Gokwan later on today. Apparently, I'm, I'm reliably informed he's going to. Um, bring his dog in with him. I don't know what sort of dog it is. I hope it's not a big d- I've just got this horrible feeling it ain't going to be something small, is it? This is, uh, this is music... Oh, it's gone. Uh, music Week. And, um, this is the American rapper, uh, who's called Talib Quelle who has revealed he did not give permission for one of his verses to be used on a track on Peter Andre's ninth album. Ninth album, Angels and Demons. The tracklist for the record includes a feature from Quelle on the song Fly Away, in addition to collaborations with the late BG Robin Gibb and a cameo from So Solid Crew's Lisa Mafia. The verse in question appears to be lifted from a track bearing the same title that appears on Attack the Block, a mixtape Quelle made with DJ producer z trip or zeb trip that was released in september uh repeatedly or reportedly attempted to contract andre's team to resolve the issue but when he received a disrespectful response he took to twitter for full frustration so uh, andre and his team are yet to issue a public response i mean peter andre don't you really think you know it's a bit past doing an album i mean 40 for god's sake he's done nine albums who buys them or has he got a garage full of his own albums? Do you think that's it? I mean, because he doesn't get played anywhere. I mean, it's, it's almost like saying the Rolling Stones are now ripping... Sorry, are, are doing a concert, and uh, the seats apparently are going really, really high prices. And somebody said, are they the greediest band in the world? And apparently it turns out that some members of the band want to be richer than Bono from U2, because Bono from U2 uh, is, is fairly well-off and so started doing charity, because charity's always good, and then you get a knighthood and stuff like that. Uh, We worked for Bob Geldof, and who hasn't had a hit single in donkey's years and can't really be considered a a music person, because they only had a few hit singles anyway, but yet managed to bring out a double album of hits. I don't know where they were hits. Argentina, I should imagine, or Malta. And so Peter Andre is bringing out uh, an album, and you just can't quite work out who would be buying this stuff. I don't believe anybody buys it. He doesn't get played on the radio. And the only single we can we can think of is Mysterious Girl, that rubbish record. You know, when he actually had a six pack and stood on a beach. I can't think of um of um of anybody else who's got a six pack and who stands on a beach singing Mysterious Girl Oh, is that Gokwan's puppy? Oh, is that it? Oh Dolly. Dolly Dolly. As <laughs> in Dolly Daydream, I suppose. Oh, it looks alright, doesn't it? What sort of dog is it? It looks like it's quite powerful. It's got it's got a chest on it. But it's a puppy, A puppy in Feb. So what are we up to now? Feb, oh, oh, it's going to be quite. It looks as though it could be quite a strong dog. I mean, how embarrassing! There you are, big butch dog, and you're called Dolly. I'll have to say to him this morning. I'll have to say you've got so you know you've got this big butch dog, and it's called Dolly. It's never going to live it down in the neighbourhood, is it? It's going to be sitting outside looking all big and macho, and all the neighbourhood dogs are going to come and say hi. What's your name? You're going to go Dolly. <laughs> It's not quite going to work, is it, really? But he's going to be talking about the, uh, the World of Difference programme, uh, which people can apply, and then what, what they do is they get paid to work for a charity of their choosing, which is good. Uh, eight fr- oh, i got another... I got a, I'm, I'm constantly getting emails from people in the business who tell me they listen to the programme, and I found another one yesterday. We found um, another girl who's working with a friend of mine, and she works as part of the, the Heart Network and she sent me a, an email. You know, read it out; it's too embarrassing, but I will after the uh, the news, which is coming up shortly. Well, which is just you know, she listens to the programme as she's going into work, and, and she said she's she's in awe of me. I'm not sure whether that's a place or a country or something. You know, or she's living. I don't know. We'll find out after the news, which is uh, which is coming up next. More from the papers as well. We take all your uh, texts and emails eight four eight five zero steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Get them in quick. We're only here till six thirty. You know, and then we have to go and record the free podcast for you, which was very good yesterday. I don't know what we're going to find today. Perhaps it might be more on Peter Andre's new album, his ninth album. Peter Andre's ninth album. Come on, who bought it? I bet we can't find anybody between now and at least quarter past five who's actually going to admit having bought a Peter Andre album. News is next. Patient with Steve Allen. Morning. Still not going to Starbucks. I've not changed my mind on this one. I've decided I'm going to be quite militant. I'm going to be one of these... I mean, I've, I've only been militant about three times in my life. And uh, this is one of them this morning. I am not going to buy coffee from Starbucks. And that's what a lot of the papers are saying. They're saying that, that there could be a backlash. It could it could turn out. You know, we, we've seen this happen before, where, where, where people have turned around and gone, no, I'm sorry, we're not having it. You know, up until now, I've been more than happy to give them my patronage and spend a lot of money. But uh, I know that Graham, my friend, he wouldn't be at all sorry to leave Starbucks. We like the people in there, don't get me wrong. I just think it's a bit underhand. Legal, but underhand. OK. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Got loads of your uh, texts and emails coming in, which is uh, very nice and very pleasing. Thank you. Typically, Tropicals Airline was Coconut Airways. Thank you, Nitesh. Uh, my favourite holiday places, says Alan, Bulgaria, Tunisia, uh, Morocco and Turkey. Oh, right. Actually, I've never been to Morocco. Is that where they have Tagines. In, in Morocco. I quite fancy that idea. They do they do kebabs. I probably quite like it, actually. I like camels. I'm quite good with camels, so that'll be good. Um, one here says, uh, Morning, Steve. As always, love your bitchiness. Thank you. It's strange, that, isn't it? People think it's bitch. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. And um, one here says, I'm airline crew, uh, and I'm laughing with you as I don my abeya in Saudi Arabia in preparation to work the flight home. Please say hi to Gok to me. Uh, to Gok to gok for me. See, we've just had a look at the picture of the dog. <laughs> Everybody's telling me about the dog called Dolly. It's uh, it's a butch dog, but it's called Dolly, so I think that's uh, uh, very interesting. Steve, uh, Steve, now you've decided to no longer use Starbucks, where would you be buying your coffee? Will it be Patisserie Valerie and the Temptation of the Naughty Cakes? No, uh, it won't be. I, I, I don't mind their coffee. It's not great. You see, I like Starbucks coffee, but I'm, I'm I'm I've had to make a decision. I've had to, twenty minutes to crossing on the ferry to Gozo, the sister island to Malta, and uh, and Duncan's takes me in to say, "I got a Goza class Malta. I think, you think it's a classy place. Imagine I could. Can you imagine going on holiday and all of a sudden you go, 'Cooey'? That'll be Duncan on a sun lounger." I'm not really sure I could go there, actually. And it was Coconut Airways. Thank you, Ed. Everybody telling me it's Coconut Airways. And Jason, the bailiff, says, I'm with you on that Starbucks issue. We'll not be buying coffee from there again, but we'll be using their toilets. <laughs> yes, yes, use the toilet facilities. No, I can't. I mean, I've just... It's a, it's a decision. It's a decision, I'm afraid. It's, it's got to happen, hasn't it? It's got to happen. Somebody else telling me it's Coconut Airways. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, let's go through the papers if, you're, if you've just woken up and you're not feeling, uh, not feeling exactly with it at the moment. Oh, I did, I, I mentioned I, I got this, uh, this letter from, uh, from Natalie. And Natalie B says, I present a breakfast show with Stuart Miles. And she does this on Heart. And uh, I think they're in Milton Keynes in Milton Keynes, and she says, I know you know Stuart Miles, absolutely. I used to bump into him in Twickenham all the time. She says, I wanted to drop you an email. I I've only just realised I can pick up LBC on my drive from St Albans to Milton Keynes. Well, that's good. At 4.30, which means I can pick you up on my way in, and I'm in awe I wasn't sure whether that was some sort of clothing or something. It says, I've loved listening to you and your seamless intertwining of stories about Beyonce on X Factor and the female bus driver you accredited for doing a job. If I could achieve one iota of the storytelling prowess uh, you have in my broadcasting career, I shall be chuffed. So Natalie's a new fan. We like that. And she works for the Hart family, so that's good as well. Oh, yeah, I, I sent her a- an email back saying, pass on uh, our regards as well to, uh, to young Stewie. Uh, i 'm waiting for peter andre 's greatest hits album Hell will freeze over first i should imagine peter andre 's greatest hits album. Do you think claire his manager buys them all and says it 's selling really well Pete selling really well almost as well as your, uh, as, your as your coffee in your in your little cafe kind of thing front of the Daily Mirror this morning uh, this is uh, the race hate shame Our under twenty one stars attacked in serbia as roy 's England are beaten by rain in Poland. A lot of racism there. lot of racism. And my 32 years with Jimmy Savile. This is by his assistant, Janet Cope. He thought links with royals, PMs and hospitals made him untouchable. Well, he was. He didn't think it. It was true. He was completely untouchable. He sacked me in a cruel way, then said, I've got a train to catch. Like Peter Pan, youngsters were everywhere. It was his elixir. He was clever enough to lead a sordid double life and fool us all. Well, if she never knew, there's no hope, Is the small wonder nobody else knew. And yet she must have done because she said he thought links with royals, PMs and hospitals made him untouchable. Well, he did have these links. He did have the links with the royals. He did have... I mean, she spent 32 years as Mrs Fixit. Uh, Jimmy Savile, to his PA, Janet, never risk getting caught out, always ensure that you're totally in control. And uh, and so she sold her story. Well, I'm assuming she sold her story. She can't imagine she'd give away anything like this for free. And uh, she said he actually has branded him manipulative and a bully who was sly enough to cover his tracks during his sick campaign of abuse against young girls. And there's lots of photographs of them at Stoke Mandeville, lots of photographs of them uh, out all over the place. And the other person who they were saying was the one from 1920 at the BBC who would have had access to children could only be Uncle Mac. I can't think of anybody else who was a household name... Who was known. I don't know whether he died in 67 or whether he didn't, but I mean, uh, well, well he, he did die in 67. I don't know if that was Uncle Mac, because that, that's the name that's, that's come forward from a lot of people. Uh, Rob says, I don't go to Starbucks because I don't drink coffee, but now I won't be going on principle. That'll show him. Uh, it was Uncle Mac fits the dates given by John Simpson. See, I, I didn't know anything about Uncle Mac. He was—he was the one rumored. There was always a, a joke about Uncle Mac, where he went and here's here's a lovely song. Uh, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, and he forgot to turn the micro- microphone off, and he then went, "That'll keep the little so and so's happy." You know, because you can imagine if you're a children's presenter on the radio, it must be quite difficult, really, to be hello. <laughs> you know? Trying to be, sort of maintain that air of of authority, yet at the same time playing sort of puff the magic dragon, and she'll be coming around the mountain, and e i adio. Uh, I suppose I don't know really. So we, we'll probably find out later on today exactly uh, who it is, because they can't be that difficult to find if they were if they were on air in the nineteen you know nineteen twenties upwards. I don't know what, what year that uh, that program started. Uh, a bloke has won the the Great British Bake Off. My friend Lou would be thrilled, and uh, this is John Waite. And he says, my legs went to jelly. Well, quite clearly not, because otherwise he wouldn't be standing up. But they, they've given his recipe for his cake. And uh, it, it does look quite delicious. Uh, quite, quite, quite delicious. Um, it's, it's a cake. as why he's one of the great British baker. I'm not going to read the recipe out. You have to buy the paper. I'm not going to help people. Well, it's a cake cake, isn't it, with sugar and cream and everything else. And, uh, well, it's, it's sort of part of its chocolate, yeah. And part of it's not. But it looks lovely. If you like that kind of thing. Uh, Philip Schofield is talking about the Prince's Trust. Uh, Philip is a a Prince's Trust ambassador. And uh, he's got a story about a guy here called Jay. Beaten up, homeless, but he's turned his life around. Stories like his move me to tears, says Philip. Still got that case in court of uh, Frankie Boyle who's taken the mirror to court for calling him a racist. So they've started playing bits of his shows. I went for his show last night on one of his uh, DVDs. Didn't come over as racist, just rude just really rude about just about everybody. You know, it's, it's, it's a thin line. He said, no, if you, if you understand my humour, then you understand I'm not racist. Um, pum, 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 pum. Oh, yes, a new victory for families, as the Attorney-General has applied to overturn the coroner's accident verdict on the Liverpool fans. Uh, inquest for truth. And actually, the, the other story, which, of course, is, uh, is making people very happy this morning, and this is The Great Day for Gary. This is uh, Gary McKinnon, who will not be extradited. Why has it taken so blooming long on this one? Why have they faffed around, and then all of a sudden, Theresa May, yesterday, courageously decided that he'll not be extradited. Why yesterday? Why didn't she do it years ago? The Daily Mail have had a great day for Gary and for British justice. Depends whether you believe him, doesn't it? Depends whether you believe he actually was hacking in to find out about UFOs, or whether he was hacking in for something more sinister. Who knows? We'll probably never know the answer to that, I'm afraid. Uh, the tax man is going to question the coffee firm, Starbucks. No payment has rivaled gives 15 million to the revenue. Uh, what Starbucks has made in sales since 1998, 3 billion. How much tax has it paid in that time on 3 billion, 8.6 million. And what they're now looking at, they're also looking at Amazon, Facebook, Google. They're looking at all of them. Because it's uh, it's time to shut the loopholes, letting the big firms avoid paying a fair share. I mean, that's... I mean, so what Starbucks UK does is pay six pence in every pound uh, to the owner to use the company name and recipe. So they actually sell the... Ro- they actually give the right to themselves, but they pay themselves six pence from each pound that comes in so on a cup of coffee that costs two pound fifty they're going to be giving something like six six twelve about 15 pence which goes into starbucks in a separate thing i mean it's it's quite convoluted it's quite complicated but effectively they're actually paying themselves so i think you'll find that last year starbucks made a loss i mean a loss of like 33 million because they were paying themselves and you think no they can't be making a loss how do they survive on the high street somebody would have pulled the plug And the answer is they've got loads of money They've got loads of money. I mean, there are questions about the rates that the UK arm pays for its internal lending. They lend themselves money out of the profits of the shops so they can show that the shops don't make a profit. I mean, it's clever accounting and it's perfectly legal. It's just that I don't want to buy coffee from them anymore. And I think probably many of you will probably have the same decision. Um, Dave says, love your views on Peter Andre. Andre. How can someone who can't sing have an album just because he was in the jungle? Well, he's, he's been touring from, uh, from so, for, for some time, and he goes out there, and I think the fan will, will, will probably buy an album, I should imagine, the fan, uh, in the singular, there's only the one, because they're, they're very careful that whenever they show Peter Andre the dreary programme on the television, which, you know, Peter Andre living the dream or whatever he does, and, uh, and they link him with all these women and everything, which is a bit dreary. And uh, and then they, they show him rehearsing for a concert. They never show you the concert, because apparently they're so awful, that uh, only the, the true Peter Andre fans. would have. Put, he thinks he's, he's like, you know, a real rock star. And, uh, and said, But, of course, he just doesn't get played on I don't know which radio station will actually play him. I don't know wh- which category his music fits into. Is there a radio station for, for rap music? <laughs> 5.15, the news headlines with Dan Whitehead. Barack Obama has clashed. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Somebody's written in and says to me, Steve, Peter Andre's a legend. In his own mind. <laughs> it's exactly. He's a legend. And somebody says, uh, Steve Allen, Gox's dog is a cute little French bulldog called Dolly. It's, <laughs> it's just the idea it's a bulldog called called Dolly. And Suzanne says, A psychiatrist who I used to run with told me that talking to yourself is a good thing as it shows you've got an active mind. Oh, well, absolutely. Uh, a lot of people telling me that, including Charlotte, that Duncan Barks goes to Malta. Uh, a lot of people saying on the internet, they're saying it's Uncle Mac... This is the, uh, the radio presenter is a household name for a long time. Uh, another one here that says, um, this is, uh, if, I, if they can't pay tax, I can't buy their coffee. Sorry, Starbucks, but you're a disgrace. They should be paying tax. Of course, they're probably absolutely wetting themselves that this ever got out because it's been like it for years. Been like it for ages and ages and ages. Not very good. And uh, another one here. Uh, which says um you've started oh uh, uh, Steve Allen show won't be going, will be in Costa's from now. And uh another one here from Andy says, Shame on you, Starbucks. Hello, Costa <laughs> We're doing the same thing. And uh says, I walked past one just now for exactly the same reason. This is Starbucks, a lot of people not going in there. And um and then Jenny says Exactly what I was thinking listening to The Steve Allen Show. I wish they'd publish a list of who does pay tax and what percentage. I don't even want to know that kind of thing. (laughs) I mean, if if somebody's a registered company, you can find that out quite easily. Just subscribe to Companies House. They're on the website. You can find out exactly what somebody's turnover is and uh, exactly how much tax they uh, they paid. Uh, Jason says, well done, Steve. Trouble is there are many, many more companies doing exactly the same. Uh, James... Says, I think I need their accountant. I'm sure I'm paying way too much tax. We all say that, don't we? Uh, I agree, Steve. Costa coffee is good. Do they pay the tax? As far as I know, yes. As far as that... Well, I don't know. We haven't read anything about them in the paper, so I'm assuming the answer is yes. And uh, there we go. Chris says, Amazon are another. On the plus side, they put millions in staff income tax and national insurance into the uh, UK economy. Uh, one here who just says, LBC listeners. Uh, well said about Starbucks. Totally agree. Steve says, I shall do the same, and uh, David says, all that money for a coffee, and they can't blame HMRC, boycott Starbucks, gosh. And James Milner says, uh, I miss your show, Steve, I wish I could get up earlier in the morning. Oh, it's, 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 it's not difficult to get up early in the morning, I promise you, it's, it, you just have to set an alarm clock, and if you actually set an alarm clock, then uh, it, it will actually... Uh, I'm looking at a picture of you. I don't know if you're the one on the left or the right. I suspect you're probably looking at the picture of the one on the left. The other one's far t- far too good looking. Has got tattoos, and you know my thoughts on tattoos. Uh, Tim in Fulham says I'm with you, Steve. I think it's a question of ethics. They operate at six hundred percent. Bag of coffee 40, uh, forty pounds, make it for fifteen hundred. Well, we found the other day that their coffee is sourced somewhere, and then it's taken to Switzerland, where they roast it. It's 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 all it's all a bit a bit confusing, actually. Uh, John the Blacksmith from Upminster says, 15 pence in the pound, Steve. I think I'll try that next time. No, 6 pence in the pound goes back to their own company. They, they, they take that out of the profits for their own company, for the licensing of the name Starbucks, of which they pay Starbucks. Doesn't quite make sense, does it? But, uh, anyway, that's it. Diana in Richmond says, what a shock to hear about Uncle Mac. I used to listen to his programme regularly as a kid in the 50s. His famous sign-off line was, goodbye, children everywhere. We, we don't know. Well, he's dead anyway. It doesn't make any difference. But it's. Uh, but that's the name that has that has come forward. John Simpson has said it was a a very well known radio presenter who died in sixty seven. Started in the nineteen twenties, and we couldn't think of anybody else who would be a household name. It had to be somebody who'd be a household name. And he said in his autobiography he would regularly take children into the toilet. So you know you can you can you can. Work it out, I suppose, by a process of elimination. Uh, Nick says, uh, Gary. Oh, yeah, right. We, we about, this is Gary McKinnon, who's on the front of the paper today. Somebody said, who's paying for it? Who's actually paid for this all the way through? Is it his mother or is it us, the taxpayer? I have a sneaking feeling it's probably us, the taxpayer. Could be wrong, but a, we, we, we generally pay for these things, don't we, as we, as we go through. Uh, just going back to uh, Jimmy Savile. Apparently, he started his working career in World War II as a coal miner, says uh, Richard in Wapping. Yes, I can see the, uh, the, the similarity between that and his uh, his wrongdoings. Um, what happened to the kids who were given Jimmel Fix-It badges by Mr Savile, says Randolph? Would they have disposed of them? No, I don't think so, no. I think people... It's like having a Blue Peter badge, isn't it? You know, you, we, you wanted a Blue Peter badge, even though, so, you know, we had an unmarried mother on there. We had all sorts of misdemeanours with Blue Peter presenters. And so nobody gave their, their badges back in the same way that they, they won't. I don't think it's going to go the... It, it, it's not like not playing Gary Glitter records. It doesn't. It's, it's not like that. People will, will probably sell them and somebody will buy them. Let's face it, people buy Nazi memorabilia now. They buy all sorts of things. People go to the battlefields, as Soren has told us, and people dig things up and then they sort of take them home. And they, uh, you know, the stuff from the, from the Titanic doing the rounds in an exhibition, which effectively is a grave for so many people. You know, 1,500 people lost their lives. I think it was 1,500 died on, on the Titanic. And, uh, and yet the, the debris field is down there. I think they, they're not allowed to take anything else from it. I think it just stays down there. So the ocean floor, I think for two miles, is littered with shoes and mugs and just everything. Just absolutely everything that came off the Titanic—stuff that sort of fell out of windows when the ship broke in half—all the china, all the cutlery, all the serving dishes—they've got all sorts of things in the exhibition. I said it, it, it was the, the, but the most amazing thing of the Titanic exhibition was a piece of the Titanic. This—it's called the Big Piece. I think it was it the Big Piece. It was called, yeah. And it's about thirty foot by twenty foot with the portholes, and you look at it and think, oh my God, that's a piece of the Titanic. Unless you were there for the launch, you never would have seen it because it's now sitting at the bottom of the ocean, and that's the only bit they've ever brought up, the only bit they're ever likely to, to bring up, I should imagine. And it, and it's, it's and you expect to hear creaking, you know, and the sound of voices going, abandon ship, women and children first, in the lifeboats. Hundred years, hundred years. Still makes me makes the hairs on your arms stand on end, doesn't it, when you, you talk about things like that, when you actually see it, when you actually see it. Um, more in the papers today. This is, oh, they're, they're doing Emmerdale, In the papers because they celebrate forty years and they're rehearsing the live episode. Now you know that when they had the live episode of EastEnders, there were mess ups all over the place. Actors couldn't remember their lines because some of them are just not very good. And so there's no danger they're going to bring Betty Eggleton into it. I shouldn't imagine because she's way too old and she's bound to fluff it and go. Well, what was my line? She talks a bit like that. She's like she's a bit like Daphne. Is it? is, Is it Mi6? She's a bit like Daphne. They, they all sound the same. Or felling that Thora Heard. Hello again. <laughs> Uncanny, isn't it? Do you know, sometimes I make myself smile when I do that, because my friend Chris Jarvis does it so much better. And he used to do a whole piece on my programme with Thora Heard thanking people for writing in to, uh, to the programme. <laughs> Praise be. And uh, they say, and uh, Winifred has written in saying... Can we hear the Salvation Army band singing, Oh God, I hope in ages past? You certainly can, Winifred. It's a big favourite in our family as well. And <laughs> then they'd launch into the Salvation Army band. But uh, anyway, back to back to Emmerdale briefly. They're rehearsing and they I mean, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of wet seats there because to do a live episode when they go, We're going live. You remember, of course, the famous thing in Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman, where they go, Bad news everybody uh, our clever editing person has managed to erase an entire show. We're going to have to go live after the break. What? And you can see the look of panic. And that's when Dustin Hoffman decides to reveal to the world that he is, in fact, dressed up as a woman. And, uh, he weaves it into the story. And you can see the people passing out in the, in the, uh, in, in the editing suite, <laughs> in, the, in the director's box, as he stands there and says, I'm not, so-and-so, so-and-so, and rips off the wig and they go, ah! <laughs> and people collapse to the ground. So it's, it's going to be a bit like that in Emmerdale. Somebody at some point will be going, I can't remember my lines, I can't remember my They're going to have to have them written on bits of furniture. They're going to have to try and keep it as simple as possible. They're going to rehearse lines. because when you do it for television, I tell you this, I'm not, I'm not in a soap. Sometimes I feel as I am in a soap, uh, or should be in one. And you could do a soap just called LBC. That would be a very good so, but very You wouldn't believe half of it. You'd believe it was scripted. It's not, of course, not on this programme. Some of the other ones I know do use scripting, but uh, I'm not one of those sort of people. And, and you, you sort of they, they rehearse and they rehearse and they rehearse and they rehearse. And then you just get word blindness. You just sit there and you can't. So somebody at some point is going to be staring. You're going to hear a stage whisper going, Turn the page. And you're going to hear that. On stage, you, you can hear it when somebody forgets, and they will forget their lines. I can tell you, I can think of three actors who will probably forget their lines, because they, they all dread it, and they're so... They have to learn little bits, and they go, OK, just learn that one line, so they learn it as they're going along. They're sent the script, so they've got the gist of it, but they'll, they'll be having to learn proper lines and do it like proper actors, like proper actors. Some people only do film, because you just learn little bits of it. Some people have never been near a stage, and some people on television, in soaps, have never done any proper, proper acting. So to actually learn lines, that's the most difficult thing. Margaret Rutherford used to say that she, she dreaded forgetting, and towards the end of her life, she did start forgetting her lines, where you just sort of stand... I mean, sometimes I get like that. I go, go halfway through a story... And I completely forgot where I'm going. I'm going down this little cul-de-sac and I'm thinking, what the? and in my mind I'm saying to myself, like I was talking to the goldfish earlier, you know, I'm saying to myself, you've forgotten where you're going with this one, aren't you? And I'm trying to run through all the names in my mind to try and get me back to where I thought I was going. And sometimes it's, and sometimes I just stare blankly. I've had, I've had people in the studio, I've had you know newsreaders and traffic reporters in the studio, and I look at them and I think, I know I know you. I just can't remember your name, I'm ever so sorry. You know, I mean, luckily, they all now come in wearing big badges. Hello, my name's Dan, you know, it's my birthday, that kind of stuff. You know, happy birthday, you know, ten years old today kind of thing. And so that's the only way I can remember. I went to a barbecue once and somebody said, stick a name tag on so people know who you are. I said, I know who I am, it's them I don't know. It's LBC, it's 5.30. With Steve Allen. Suddenly worked it out, why the Saturdays... You remember the Saturdays with Rochelle and the one who was in rehab, and then there's some others we've never heard of, Uh, I suddenly realised why they're making a reality show in America. They haven't got a record deal. Nobody's interested in their music. And, in fact, I only realised by reading uh, Clemmie Moody's column and uh, Dappy sit out at the girls over their forthcoming reality... They, They say upcoming, and I hate the word upcoming, it's forthcoming, but... Everywhere you go, people go, and so so their upcoming tour... No, it's their forthcoming tour. But anyway, uh, the ex-N-Dub star famously walked away from a US record deal after the label wanted them to do their own reality show. And he said the Saturdays are doing one due to the fact they can't get a music deal and be famous for their music. That's not what to do. It's I didn't realise. I mean, I just thought that people had lost interest in them anyway because nobody really cares about the Saturdays. You know, you just know it's got, as I say, uh, the one who went into rehab... And there's one who's quite old, I think, in her thirties. That's considered very old to be in a band nowadays. And uh, and there's one who's married to uh, one of the blokes out of JLS, and that's Rochelle. She's married. So, so apart from that, they actually can't uh, they can't get arrested. I'm afraid, which is a bit of a shame. That's why they're doing the uh, the reality show. That's why they're doing the reality show in America. Uh, Shane says Starbucks is the only coffee place on New London Bridge Station but uh AMt is downstairs see that's uh, I mean th- this is the the campaign, which is in a lot of the papers today, following on from yesterday when they were talking about Starbucks and how little or not much tax they've uh, they 've actually paid uh, over the years that they 've been generating a huge thing because last year apparently Starbucks made a loss in this country how that is possible and still to remain on the high street. I have no idea, but with careful and creative accounting, all perfectly legal, they've managed to just not pay tax because they haven't made any money, so they can't, because it's, it's a, a complicated web of moving money from here to there and there and there and here and here, whatever it is, we don't pay tax. So I've decided that I don't want to buy their coffee. Because there's hard-working people in this country and people who are probably listening at the moment who have got their own little businesses and they're probably sick to death of all these coffee shops opening up on the high street and then to hear that they don't pay tax is kind of just the final knife between the shoulder blades that they don't want. Because lots of places go under because they're struggling to make money, whereas a place like Starbucks can come in, not pay any tax, and have a big presence on the high street. And some of them, I mean, there's loads around my way, loads of Starbucks. But I wonder whether it's going to hit their uh, profits. Oh, sorry, they don't make any profits, do they? It's going to hit their income. Uh, Frankie used to go out with Dougie from McFly. Uh, She was the one from Rehab. From, from the Saturdays, Frankie Sanford, and Dougie from McFly is the one who, didn't he attempt suicide, he's just told us, and he's also had drink and drug problems, and you think to yourself, the pressures of being in a band, it's just, some people can cope with it, some people can't, and quite clearly, they couldn't, but they do look very similar, she looks a bit blokey, he looks a bit girly. He is. And he's got lots of little tattoos up his arm. But he was always the one I thought was joking around and and was having a bit of fun and laughing. We always liked him out of all of them. Dougie was the one who was always a bit of of good fun. So when you hear that he attempted suicide, although I've maintained in the past, because I've spoken to people before, everybody gets to that deep depression place, don't they, where... You know, you think, oh, perhaps I'll do it, it just all will go away and it'll all finish or whatever. But nobody actually ever gets round to it, because if you want to to commit suicide, you can commit suicide. It is possible, you know, people throw themselves off buildings and do all sorts of stupid things, but the only people who who suffer are the people who are left behind. That's why at the moment, every time, you know, you open up the paper and there's a a story about Jimmy Savile, couldn't give a forex about Jimmy Savile, I think about his family. Who have to go through this every single day? Every single day, there's another story about about him, and you think it's not fair on the family. They don't want to read it. They, they you know, they either didn't know or they didn't care, or they, you know, put their hands over their ears and la la. I don't know, but it's it's for them. You know, it doesn't matter. Jimmy Savile couldn't care less. He's pushing up daisies. Um, he was describing. Uh, this is this is Dougie. The producer read an, an article. And what he was describing as drink and drug problems is very similar to most 21-year-olds at university, college, first job. It's very easy to get into that culture, isn't it? I suppose, of doing, you know, your drink and drugs. I suppose we all went through it. Although, actually, most of my friends don't drink at all. (laughs) They don't drink. He he was saying, I was drinking every day. And we're all going, yeah, and... Look at this, honestly. I think that tan's fading, actually. Mm. It is, it's definitely fading. It's, it'll peel. You watch. We're leaving dead skin everywhere, Christian. It's just... <laughs> That's my worst... I, I thought I was going to peel in Las Vegas when I came back, because it was so hot out there, 100 degrees, but I didn't bear my body. I think it's unnecessary at my age. You don't want to offend people. And, and so I was sort of thinking that if I come back and I start... Especially on my head, but I, I didn't, because I, quite clearly I wasn't in the sun that often, even though we were out most days... Perhaps it's a different sort of heat in Las Vegas. Perhaps you don't go to Las Vegas to uh, to get a suntan. God, they are unattractive little mix. They really are, honestly. Has anybody heard them singing live? Oh no, we did that earlier, didn't we? 834850 steve LBC dot Now this is Alison Pearson Al- Alison Phillips' column in the mirror today. And I'll I'll read what she says because I, you, you might agree with most of this. She says, I think it's time we all took a deep breath and calmed down about radio and TV stars with wandering hands. This week, former newsreader Vivian Krieger accused uh, DJ Dave travis of jiggling her breasts. This is the new expression now, jiggling her breasts, back in the 1980s, which he denies. Last week, DJ Liz Kershaw told how her breasts were fondled while she was live on air during her early days at Radio 1. Sandy Toxfic has also joined the gang, saying she too was unpleasantly groped during the 80s. But quite frankly, Sandy, writes Alison, who wasn't? She says here, I'm not saying this behaviour was right. Of course it wasn't. But things were different then, like woodchip wallpaper and leg warmers. These things weren't nice, but it was how it was. And as someone once wrote, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. But by choosing now to bring their personal grievances into the spotlight, these women are muddying what was previously a very clear issue, that Jimmy Savile was molesting and raping children. Women like Vivian, Sandy and Liz were, I guess, hoping to shine a light on the prehistoric attitude to women they discovered in broadcasting 30 years ago. But if they think that lewd remarks and lechy guys were exclusive to the airwaves, they're sorely mistaken. I was out with a group of friends at the weekend and every single one of us had some tale of inappropriate touching up from our early days at work. But there we were, sitting, shaking, but were we sitting, I beg your pardon, shaking in horror as we relived our moments of victimhood? Of course not. One friend had tears of laughter rolling down her face as she remembered how her first promotion in a provincial bank was celebrated, celebrated by Mr B, the bank manager pinning her up against the wall and kissing her. He then sat through the next hour's staff meeting with bright pink lipstick on the corner of his mouth. She said, obviously, it wasn't right and it wasn't respectful and it happened... Uh, And if it happened to any of our daughters in their first job, we'd have been down there ramming Mr B's bank ledgers where the sun doesn't shine. But more likely, if that happened to any of our daughters now, they'd be doing that themselves, because the good news has been taken from these stories of molestation is that the workplace has changed in three decades. Women got so sick of dirty old men leering and leching. That we fought for change, and now we have equality, legislation and a general culture, which means men don't get away with that kind of behaviour. If Vivian, Liz or Sandy's experiences had happened in the last few years, I would have had huge sympathy for them and to be demanding their gropers were held to account. But I can't agree with a witch hunt over something that happened so long ago, at a time when Benny Hill was one of the most watched programmes on television, when carry-on films were regarded as cutting-edge humour, and when James Bond was more revered for his groping than his gadgets. If every breast-jiggler of the 1980s is brought to account, the country's police stations will be full to overflowing. A far better place for those breast-jigglers is to leave them in that foreign country, the past." And let's keep in clear focus the real issue, the terrible actions of a dangerous, predatory paedophile, Jimmy Savile, and how he managed to evade detection for far, far too long. And she's right. I've said from the, from the very moment it came out, what went on in the workplace went on donkey. It was a different time. Women are now far more assertive well, than I thought they were until I heard a story the other day. But uh, women are far more assertive now, far more, you know, do that again and I'm going to squish those little spherical objects between your legs into pulp, Okay? Don't do it or I'll be going to HR. You know, that's what we didn't have in the earlier. We didn't have HR. HR turned out to be your boss. And if your boss went, oh, get over it, everybody's been touched by him or everybody's been touched... It, It tended to be mainly men doing it to women. You've very rarely got predatory women. I have read of predatory women, you know, in the workplace, who'd be sort of targeting the, the, the pretty boys. Uh, luckily, thank God, I was never never classed as attractive, and uh, so mercifully escaped most of that. In fact, I was I was classed as dreadfully unattractive, so nobody bothered, really, so I had had to develop a personality, which is what you're listening to at the moment, so, and, and that's the best it's going to get, I'm afraid. But uh, it's, it's, it's true. Gripes over gropes aren't the real issue. The real issue is how Jimmy Savile got away with it for so long, and my... Uh, answer to anybody who says how did he get away with it was because he had good connections and what they didn't want to do they didn't want to cut the line of money that was coming into the institutes which he fundraised for and his very close association with senior members of the royal family and for that I include I think Prince Charles and the Queen Mother they didn't want to embarrass the Queen Mother during her lifetime she wouldn't have understood it anyway you couldn't have really explained what he ever did because she came from a generation where they didn't even know what a lesbian was. Let's face it, Queen Victoria f- refused to acknowledge lesbians. She, she just didn't accept the fact that they ever existed. I think she understood gay men, because I think she was surrounded by most of them, especially when she went up to the Highlands, but that's another story altogether. Actually, Toby Anstis was telling me a story of how he put a kilt on once and, and, and bungee jumped in a kilt. I said, I hope you were wearing something. He said, uh, oh, yes. He said, because there was a, f- a photographer underneath getting the shot of the the of the, um, the skirt the kilts that he was wearing, billowing out. I said, what a sight that must have been. He said, yep, still got the photos. It's uh, quarter to six. News headlines this morning with Dan Whitehead. President Obama and he's Republican with Steve Allen. Morning, morning. It's uh, 12 minutes to six on a mizzy old day. What a miserable day. I'm sorry, I wish I could wish I could tell you it was going to be a, a lovely, fine day, but it's, it's not. It's going to be windy and it's going to be rainy, and in fact, actually I'll, I'll tell you exactly what they're saying, just so you can brace yourself for this one. The rain will clear up. There will be some sunny spells, although a brisk southwesterly wind bringing heavy, thundery showers by the afternoon. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? I'm so sorry. Uh, currently it's 11 degrees. It'll rise to 16, which is warmer than it was yesterday. Tonight generally cloudy, outbreaks of some rain, perhaps heavy at times, and still a brisk southerly breeze. Minimum 12 centigrade, which is warmer than last night. As if it makes any difference whether it was warmer than... We're all in bed. It's really... It's like toast. Like toast. Tomorrow, cloudy. Outbreaks of rain. Heavy at times. Becoming drier during the afternoon with some bright or sunny spells. And actually, I'm hoping tomorrow. I'm just waiting for the uh, confirmation. Having had Dustin Hoffman to do yesterday, which was like... Big thrill, big thrill, you know, I mean, there's there's a limit to how much, I mean, I said, to be honest with you, I said, you can probably imagine that when, you know, they said Dustin Hoffman's on offer, I said, all we want to do is just sit here and stare at you and go, you've been in 45 films, you know, at least half of which are in my favourite film list, So, uh, so that's why you just sit there looking at Dustin Hoffman, and hopefully tomorrow, Tommy Steele. We've tried for Tommy Steele over the years, and he's always been impossible to pin down. Um, Even though I go past what was his old house. Um, And then, uh, you know, I used to sit on the top deck of the bus going into Kingston. You would pass his house, and I think he sold it for about £10 He was always very canny with his money, but he made one of my favourite films, which was Half a Sixpence, which is impossible to get hold of at the moment. I do have it. You know, I do have it. Uh, Bill says... I think this Jimmy Savile investigation has opened a can of worms, and uh, as said, going on everywhere. Lots of people having sleepless nights. Well, there are. There are, because they don't know. I mean, I I don't think they're going to start naming and naming and naming, as as in the case of Alison Phillips's column where she was talking about the girls who were groped. I don't think that's going to go any further. That's just... That was the, the climate. R- right right or wrong, it doesn't make any difference. It, it went on. Women have always had their bottoms pinched to work. In fact, you've only got to look at the, the films. You know, the films that we were turning out. In fact, the uh, the carry-on films, my favourite genre of film. And that was full of, you know, old men pinching. But, That's the thing you are, aren't you? Flippity-jibbity. And, and that was full of that kind of thing, bottom pinching and the girls playing up to it. That was how it worked. Sometimes, you know, they, they had the the upper hand, but it happened all the time. I can't think of a British sitcom where at some point, you know, a girl would walk past with very sort of pert, pert bosom, b- bos- bosomy things, and 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 the man would go, and you and and that was it. So it was a climate. It was the time. It was the time. Uh, Steve says, in the 70s, I was an engineer in an egg-packing station at the age of 19. 35 women in the grading room, which is where the machines are. Many as a time, I've been working on a machine with both hands in use and no defence, and I've had my bits groped. I laughed it off. You had to or lose face. It broke up the boredom. Oh, I can remember going up to... um, well, I'll tell you where it was. I went to the United Biscuits factory in Toll Cross in Scotland, and most of the lines up there were women, and they would flirt with everybody. Oh, come here, darling, give a little cuddle, you know, jiggling their boobs in your face. I mean, it, it happened, and you laughed it off. It was it was a bit of light-hearted banter. Never did I ever think that I'd be sort of, you know, dragged under a machine and stripped naked. God, God knows I tried to. But uh, never, ever happened, I'm afraid. Never, ever happened. Uh, Johnny says... Uh, I take it that certain people in showbiz land wait for a huge story to break and by many degrees of separation add their words of comfort. I think people do. It does. Somebody said to me the other day, why have all these people waited for so long? And I said, well, because it took one person to start it and then other people. I mean, I do know of somebody. I spoke to somebody the other day who had a similar experience with a celebrity. But they don't want to, and in fact, well, it was Jimmy Savile, okay. But they don't want to come out and say anything because they've got grown-up children. And they don't want their children to know about it. You know, different if if you think, no, my, you know, the children should know about it. But she decided she didn't want to say anything because of the grown-up children. And her husband doesn't know about it either. So she's managed to keep it, managed to keep it quiet. And she said, and that's the way it will, it will stay. Uh, Another one here. Uh, 84850 uk. So I just can't, can't move my machine at the moment. It it froze momentarily. Oh, um, um... I wonder how much little tax the major fast-food chains pay. Well, I remember the Vesti family who owned Dewhurst the Butcher. What did they pay? Was it a pound tax? On a turnover of 16 million. And it was creative accounting. I mean, that, that made all the headlines at the time. So, uh, so that's why, in the case of Starbucks... It's all perfectly legal. It's just that the government need to close these loopholes. Because, you know, with a very clever accountant, he can exploit it. As many of you have written in to me this morning saying, you know, you'd quite like their accountant. You and me together. Even though I think my accountant's absolutely wonderful and uh, and is brilliant. Um, David in Chelmsford is not enjoying the rain. Quick poem from Michael Dennis. The black cab poet, and it is when I say quick, it's very, very short, this one. He says, up from my cosy bed I rise and wipe the sleep out of my eyes. Once more out there into the breach, that million still out of reach. I know. Is it 45 this week? Is it 43 or 45? I mean, who cares? 43, 45, sort everybody out quite nicely, wouldn't it? Diana says, uh, I have a certificate signed by Uncle Mac and presented by him to my parents winning the most beautiful baby competition on Blackpool Pier when I was one. I have a lovely photo of me perched on a cushion, grinning broadly on the pier. Thank you, Diana. Yes, the the beautiful baby, the bonny baby competition. That was what they used to get, didn't it? at all the seaside resorts. Blackpool, no exception. And they would have girls wandering up and down in swimsuits modelling. And here comes, this is uh, June Perry. June Perry. It's from Pimlico. June is wearing an off the shoulder now. And they would walk up and down of people and you know dignitaries would sort of mark the cards, I think. So that's so beautiful baby competitions are, are rife up and down and they still do them. People who go to Butlins, I think, for a holiday or any of those pontins or something like that go there and they have, you know, competitions. So they have beautiful baby competitions and fancy dress competitions. Most I, I, I the only time I ever dressed up. Well, I tell you, I did dress up once. I went as a pirate, so because that was fairly common. You know, when you were a little kid. Oh, I saw the f- sweetest thing yesterday. I was getting on the uh, getting on the bus, and I'm just pulling into Waterloo, and all these little kids are obviously going off for an excursion somewhere, and they're walking just through the cut at Waterloo, and they're probably aged about five, something like that, but they're all holding hands. They're all holding hands. Little boys holding hands. Little girls holding hands. And they're, they're, they're happily wandering along the street. Teachers in front, one in the middle, one at the back. And they're all watching. And they're all and I, was, and I was looking down the whole line to see if anybody had cheated and wasn't holding hands. But they're obviously told, OK, everybody hold hands. And when they're that age, it's great. They just look so cute. I thought that was just such a nice, you know, and it was re- reasonably sunny yesterday even though everybody round here is wearing woolens today for that read jumpers But it, it was just wonderful. It was just watch. It, it, it was just the sort of thing. I looked at it, and it made me smile. Not many things make you smile on the streets of London, but that was it. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. That's uh, more of your texts coming in this morning. And this is the, uh, the one uh, on Starbucks. And uh, it's, there's a little film which has been made, which is presumably up on the, uh, the Internet. And uh, there's uh, a number of you are uh, also boycotting Starbucks, which is it's interesting. I wonder if it's going to affect them deeply. If, if, if this, you know, takes off across the country and the papers go, you know, Starbucks. Are, you know, I think people will still buy their coffee there. But I, for one, as I said at the beginning of the programme, you know, luckily on every high street, there's at least a choice of half a dozen. At least. You don't have to go to Starbucks. It depends, uh, you know, how you feel about things like that. Uh, Bryn and Annie are back with us, still awake at five. He says, remember, we are an hour later than you here in France and thoroughly enjoying your random ramblings. Random r- <laughs> See, that sounds better, doesn't it? I like the idea of random ramblings. I think that sounds quite good, first thing in the morning. Just back from two weeks in the UK, took the family to Ascot to celebrate Annie's 80th birthday. 12 of us in a gorgeous box and the weather perfect. We're not horsey people, but we had an absolute fabulous day and went mad in betting and came away having lost at least 20 quid each. What a joke, but a wonderful day. Boxes are lovely, food sublime from 11.30 until we left at 5.30. Out of pocket, but full of bonhomie. And scrumptiousness. We stayed at a premier hotel, which was fabulous. First class, everything perfect. Cleanliness, staff were young, charming, helpful, kind and intelligent. Food was top class and the price as competitive as any other hotel. I cannot recommend them too highly. He says we shall stay at them again next time. Uh, for, for Annie, the downside was that Lenny Henry wasn't in every room. He was, in, he was interviewed the other day, actually, Bryn, and he said... He said, I don't want to be remembered as that bloke who, <laughs> who advertised premier inns all the time. And just as he said that, I turned on the telly and there was another advert with Lenny Henry in it. But uh, she felt quite miffed as she expected to see him throwing himself onto our bed every night. France is looking great now. We've had some rain and we're settling in well, though Annie still misses M&S and Tesco. Do you know, I bet you they'd, they'd, they'd even deliver to you too. Like royalty. I shall I shall miss you at the, uh, the Lady Rattling's Ball this coming Sunday. I'm taking Barbara. And, uh, and I've suddenly worked out, there's nowhere to park. There's nowhere to park. And I can't remember if on Sunday in Russell Square you can just park anywhere or do we have traffic wardens who are vigilant. I mean, the, the parking in London is... Te- Most London hotels have got somewhere to park. This one is, is quite exceptional. When I went onto the website to have a look at the hotel, it said, parking, there is none. And I thought, oh, am I going to have to drive around, drop Barbara at the front door and then drive around a bit? We'll find out uh, later on in the week. More from, uh, from Alison Phillips's column. Uh, she's talking about... Uh, This one here, this is Tamara Eccleston. What she said, people assume I'm spoiled because I'm rich, but I don't want to rely on Daddy's money. He helps me with things like houses. What she really means is, Daddy, how come Petra's got a house with 123 rooms? I want one with 124 rooms. If I don't get it, I'm going to scream and scream and scream until I'm thick. She's a bit thick, actually, Tamara Eccleston. So I don't want to rely on Daddy's money. That's precisely what she's done throughout everything she's done. Daddy has bought her a house. The house, incidentally, 85 million. I just thought I'd throw that into the equation. Just, you know, when these people go, oh, I'm just a normal next-door girl. I don't have anybody next door like that with 85 million in the bank, but if we win the Euro Millions this week, we could all be laughing, couldn't we? It'll mean a very good Christmas for somebody, I should imagine, if somebody wins it. But at, what is it, 17 million to one, 176 million, whatever it is, it's nigh on impossible to win the blooming thing. Or 85, I can't remember what it is now, 85 million to one or something, there's no chance of winning. So I should just sit back, count my little pennies in my pocket, drink my cup of coffee, and we'll have the news at 6 o'clock. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, and you're very welcome to this miserable morning, I'm afraid. With Steve Allen... Morning. What a miserable old day! What a miserable old day! I'm afraid, not very good. I'm just trying to uh, to find how much Jim'll fix it badges are going for on eBay. And you know, they're um, if these are genuine badges, they're actually not very expensive because it, it was a metal badge. It was a metal badge, not these. Uh, they look like they've been made by somebody. That, yeah, that's it. That one here, hundred pounds. Hundred pounds for a Jim'll fix it badge. Jim fixed it for me, and that's a hundred pounds. And it's still got four days to run on it, so that might go. Another one here, hundred and twenty-seven pounds. This is from nineteen seventy-six. Uh, there were some some other little badges which sort of popped up, but it's the metal ones that roughly is another hundred and seventy-six pounds. So whatever they are, they're they're worth it, aren't they? Really, they they, they seem to be. Uh, Unaffected by the uh, the revelation, I didn't realise that they went here. Seventy five pounds, genuine and uh, and authentic, they say. But of course, I mean, till you till you see the things. Mostly, they actually appear to be. There's one here, Jim will fix it medal badge, nineteen seventy seven series three, episode two, Jimmy Savile, and that's seventy two pounds so far. It's got eleven bids and it's still got a few more days to run. So uh, it's interesting, very interesting. Who's actually selling it? They say here. Uh, we appeared with Terry Scott and sang My Brother. So uh, it's 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 they're, they're worth money, these things. So this is a genuine one. He says, also in the same episode, a girl who hid inside a post box and grabs letters. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I don't remember any of those. But uh, I do remember the Jim Will Fix It thing. But it was people writing in, and so he wrote in, and he wanted to sing My Brother. So there you go. So there you go. They appear on eBay. Thank you, Nick. Uh, and they appear to be for between anything from seventy odd pounds up, if the thing finished, up to about uh, two hundred. Just 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 two hundred, which is uh, interesting. Um, more on uh, M Real women are still too perfect. This is the real women that they've actually put on their website. They've got a load of you know because they're using real people, but people have said no, terribly sorry that they're um, that they are in fact. Just too perfect, these women. Even one here who's a size 16. This is Candice. Rachel is a size 12. Uh, Makita is a four, uh, size 14. Marie is a size 8. Angela is a size 12. And Anne is between a 10 and a 12. See, I don't know what. T- None of these sizes mean anything to men. We have no idea. The producer's 10 and 12. 10 to 12. Which you see, I mean, you know, men are either small. Medium, large, extra large, extra, extra large, and then there's, oh my goodness, that means we've eaten one or too many pies. And so we don't, know, we don't have any other, so we've got no idea. If you ask men, you know, how big your, your chest size, we don't have the faintest idea. It's like, it's like, what size are your pants? And you go, well, I don't know, large, extra large, I don't know. You know, you just assume that people sort of know about these sort of things. But women know everything, and that's why M&S um, customers are saying they're just a little bit too perfect, I'm afraid. Uh, the, the cake, if you want to make the cake that won the Great British Bake Off, the recipe is inside. It's called uh, Hell Cake, and it's got the filling and the glaze, and then the heaven cake, which is meringue and filling. I mean, they both look absolutely wonderful. The recipe ran for three A4 pages and included five sheets of gold leaf. But whatever it is, it looks, you know, very good. Uh, But you know your collar size and your hat size? No, I don't know my collar size. I know that if I I want to do a collar up, and I can't do this one up here because it's just a little bit too tight, uh, I'm probably 17 and a half, I would think. But hat size, I've got no idea. You just have to try it on in the shop. I used to be six and seven eighths, but that was when I was at school. And we did have caps, yes. Nobody wore them because you wore it the first day. You put it on and you proudly marched down to the bus stop with your cap on and your little satchel. And you got to the bus stop and looked at all these other kids who were looking at you because you were wearing a cap and they weren't. So you you kind of surreptitiously just took it off and put it in your bag. And it was never to reappear on your head ever again. It was considered the height of naffness to wear your school cap. But the first day when you walked down the drive... I did it, I think, to just please my, uh, my mother. <laughs> um, oh, lovely. Look, Susanna, the rabbi's uh, wife, is back. There is an NCP car park near the hotel and free on-street parking on Sundays. Ah, well, that's where I... Sh- I'm- I thought there might be. I- what I'll have to do, actually, Susanna, is sort of probably drop Barbara off, so I don't want to uh, sort of walk in halfway round the Blooming Square, and then uh, and I shall go and park and then pop back inside, so I'll- I shall make sure that somebody is outside to, to meet her. Because uh, she only lives down, round the corner, actually. She can almost hop on a skateboard and get round there. I'll have a word with Scott later, see if we can get her on a skateboard. Uh, the state pensioner... a state pension, sorry, are set to rise... A miserly increase of how much they're going to give you. Go, hold yourself back on this one, ladies and gentlemen. 38 pence a day. Oh, I don't know what you're going to spend it on, really. 13 million of you state pensioners will get 38 pence a day next year rise. That's £2.69 a week. Woo, whoopie doo whoopee-doo. I got a thing the other day from the gas company saying, if I if I stayed with them, they would maintain the same price until November of next year. So you just have to sign this bit of paper and send it back. So that's what I'm doing I'm signing it, and I'm going to send it back so that uh, I can keep the same gas price. But you have to say that you're going to leave. And also, if you do leave before the end of the year, there's a £20 surcharge. Well, I've got no intention of leaving. No intention of leaving. And for goodness sake, it's, where, I don't know where else you get gas from now. I think I'm actually with a gas company. Uh, 84850, co dot uk. Have a quick check on uh, this one here uh, on tax and oh, I see that Neil has made an appearance on Dickinson's Real Deal. He texted me yesterday to say he was on. He's, he's going to be in the background, in the background, and so he, <laughs> he's getting very desperate now. He said, "I finally made it onto the telly." So he's on. He's on Dickinson's Real Deal, and uh, and the photo is courtesy of Noreen. And it says, it says it shows me and David Dickinson while filming Dickinson's Real Deal in Enfield. And he says, it's my 15 minutes of fame. He said, well, he said, supposed to be. He said, I just, look, there, It look. Looks a bit like me, actually, doesn't it? It does look very much like me. It's the worst picture I've ever seen <laughs> of anybody. Good one of the window, though. Who's the woman in front? I love the way I was on Dickinson. 15 seconds, he says. He said, I'm looking forward to hearing the Dustin Hoffman. He was such a nice man, such a nice man. Dustin Hoffman, I mean, I ask you, I ask you, Dustin Hoffman. Earlier on uh, this year, BBC Three, Steve says Paul, ran a spoof comedy series called The Revolution Will Be Televised. The two presenters named and shamed big companies such as BP and several high street stores. They actually went into shops, confronted staff and customers and even put up fake signs explaining how the companies were doing their tax. They also delivered a stained-glass window to Tony Blair's London house, even conning the housekeeper into bringing out a ladder so they could put it up. <laughs> I don't remember that one, actually. I don't remember that one. But, they uh, the, uh, BBC legend could only be Uncle Mac, who passed away in 67. He had a fascinating life and was badly wounded in the war, often presenting in great physical pain. And this is the story that is on the front of the... uh, What's on the front of? Yes, it's the front of The Sun this morning. They say this is a scandal number two. This one went on for years and years. And he says, good on you over the coffee shop. I will be honest... Just give me my four pints of semi-skim, my two-pound bag of tate and lana, my jar of kenko, and I'm happy. And uh, hello to uh, Samantha Siddall, huge fan of the show, who is starring opposite Marcus Patrick from Hollyoaks in the 50th anniversary presentation of Billy Liar at the Fairfield Halls in Croydon from the 31st of October. She's playing Rita. Oh, lovely. Full details, of course, on the website. Paul, thank you for that very much indeed. 14 minutes past six. LBC... <laughs> John Clive's died. Other stories in the papers today. The producer said to me, she said, some man's died who was in the Italian job. I said, oh, not Michael Caine, please. She went, no, John Clive. But he he was actually best known, I suppose. He voiced John Lennon in Yellow Submarine. And uh, he was in the Italian job, which you will remember. He also did several carry-on films... Oh, crikey. And, uh, he was the tormentor of Alex in A Clockwork Orange. He appeared in Rising Damp, The Sweeney, Dick Emery Show. He was the Scarecrow in Wizard of Oz, and in Tom Stoppard's The Real Inspector Hound. And he had, uh, he had best-selling books as well. Best-selling books. You'll know, if you saw a picture of John Clive, Google him, you'll go, ah, I know exactly who that is now. Exactly. Um... Everybody keeps telling me that Gok bringing his dog in. Um, We've had to Google the pictures of the dog, just to make sure. Uh, Noreen says, we're off to Gloucester today. Never been there, I don't think. Have you? No. No, it rains in Gloucester, doesn't it? It, it, There's nothing about it that that, uh, interests me. But she says, uh, tell Lou you love the baking in the Great British Bake Off, and you're pleased, John One. She'll be very impressed. I know, she she thinks I'm a real Sassanac and a heathen that I don't watch these programmes. But she mentioned, you mentioned, revisiting your old home yesterday... Uh, well, my dad lived in a huge house in Berkhamsted when he was a child. I remember going to see grandma and granddad there. Well, a few weeks ago, Brian and I went to see my uncle, dad's brother, so we decided to go and revisit. As I said, it was huge to me as a child. It's now a perfectly normal, four-bedroom, detached house. Not massive, much smaller than I remember. If you revisit Yorkshire, you may be surprised at your old house. Yes, absolutely. I remember going back to my old school in Essex, and being absolutely gobsmacked that it was quite tiny. Because when, when you're little, it looked enormous, didn't it? We're, you know, we abso- we're not entirely convinced that the house I lived in still exists. So uh, we are going to put in a call to a couple of historical societies to find out whether or not it's still there. Uh, Dawn says, you mentioned on your show how Made in Chelsea's viewing figures were low now. Uh, there may be a reason for this. The new series wasn't very well publicised. I watched the show right from the start and didn't know it was coming back on Monday until you mentioned it on the show on Monday. So thank you for bringing it to my attention. It was interesting how you said about your friend Graham, who I've met a few times, knows some of the cast. Now you'll have me looking out for Graham, probably sitting in the background when they show them out socialising. Anyway. You, won't, you won't be finding him sitting in Starbucks window, that's a fact. I think he, he, he's not a fan of Starbucks coffee. He likes Costa coffee a little bit better. I see that Michael Fish has recreated his infamous weather report from 1987. He filmed a remake of the classic forecast, in which he originally said there wasn't a hurricane on the way. That was hours before the great storm hit 25 years ago. And uh, in the new advert for a seafood kitchen in Brixton Village, he says, uh, stay indoors because we're in for quite a night. After thanking a caller for the hurricane warning, he walks off camera saying, well, that could have been embarrassing. Uh, Yesterday marked the 25th anniversary of the great storm, with him revealing that he made up the so-called woman who called the hurricane warning. He says, if I could take every single copy of that to my grave, I'd be a happy man. And if I received a penny for every broadcast, I'd be a multimillionaire. Who would have thought I'd star in the Olympic opening ceremony? Absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? The way the uh, the news was reported back in, in those days. Let me just tell you quickly what's, uh, what's happening. Uh, After news at 6.30 this morning with Susan Bookbinder. Uh, they're going to be talking about the US presidential election, uh, Whitehall's overspending, women in the boardroom, and the anti-parking boulders, which cost £7,000. The anti-park—the whole idea is we want, to, we want people to park, don't we? Also, the Disability Trade Show grows in post-Paralympics London, and the Booker Prize winner has been announced. All of that with Susan Bookbinder after the news at 6.30 this morning. Nick Ferrari after seven. What next, he'll ask. The Gary McKinnon. How much will a UK based trial cost? There are murmurings of double standards, unfounded rumours. Or something to consider. And after Obama's less-than-thrilling performance in the first debate, the second presidential debate takes place in the early hours. Can he pull it back from Mitt Romney? All that, plus a full review of the day's newspapers and the latest unemployment stats, all with Nick Ferrari, from seven this morning on LBC 97.3. The paper reviewer is the editor of The Independent and group editorial director of Independent Newspapers and Evening Standard, Chris Blackhurst, and that's a mouthful in itself. So, uh, and also Money Vista, brand-new view... With the consumer financial expert from Moneyvista.com, that's Teresa Fritz. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven o'clock this morning on LBC ninety seven point three. A little bit worried about this other story which has appeared in well, I've only found it in one of the papers so far, and it's GPs who have been asked to be uh, have asked to select one in every hundred of their patients to go on a list of those likely to die over the next twelve months. The patients will be singled out for end-of-life care, potentially saving the NHS, more than a billion pounds a year. The listed patients may be asked to say where they would prefer to die and should be told they can draw up a living will by which they can instruct doctors to withdraw life-saving treatment if they become incapacitated in hospital. Oh, my God. not sure about that idea. I don't like that one at all, I'm afraid. It's awful. It's awful. It states that approximately 1% of people on a GP's list of all patients, will die each year. This equates to an average of 20 deaths a year. Oh, dear. I'm feeling a bit rough this morning. Not not quite that rough. There's the mother who's disappeared, run off with four children. I think she was about to have them taken away from her. And the art raiders who've escaped in a hall from uh, the uh, Kunsthalle Museum in Rotterdam. Thieves broke in at 3am, and it's the biggest art height in history, and they've admitted there were no guards on duty at the time. So they managed to walk out with... Hundreds of millions of pounds worth of, of paintings. Pablo Picasso, Matisse, uh, Gauguin's Girl in Front of Open Window, uh, Mayor de Hahn's Auto Portrait, painted in 1890, Lucien Freud's Women with Eyes Closed, Crikey. Monet's Waterloo Bridge and Charing Cross Bridge, all famous pictures, obviously stolen to order or stolen for ransom. I don't know. You, you often look at these pictures and think, you know, where do they go? Do they find their way into the houses of the super, super rich because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big haul of, of pictures to go. And uh, incidentally, aspiring police officers, and there might be a few of you out there at the moment, with tattoos that cannot be covered up, have been barred from joining the police force. In fact, Bernard Hogan Howe, Scotland Yard Commissioner, said tattoos that can be seen by the public damage the professional image of the Metropolitan Police. I suggest he watches some of these programmes on the television. In fact, that's probably where it came from, because I was watching one only a few nights ago, and it's a a police station, could be in Essex or somewhere like that, and in the police station, the police officers there with rolled-up sleeves, on camera, tattoos all the way up their arms. All the way up their arms. And you get that quite a lot... Now, whether or not it's just because it's a television program and they've, you know, taken their, their jackets off, if if they're wearing their jacket, and it can't be seen. But I've seen police officers with tattoos; you can see them just underneath the, the arm. I mean, they're, they're generally on their arms, generally speaking. So he's actually said, no, it, it's not, uh, it, it's not right. It can damage the professional reputation of the force, and I do agree with him. Actually, I'm not a big fan of tattoos. I know, you know, I look at them and I think, yeah, that looks quite nice, but I, I wouldn't ever want one. But if if you were employing someone, if you imagine if you walked into Harrods and uh, the makeup department or you went anywhere and there's an assistant there with tattoos all the way up her neck i still haven't got over the fact that the woman who sings with the uh, the forces choir you know the uh, the military wives and uh, the lead singer there when she appeared at the royal Hall, she's covered in tattoos and i thought it looked awful absolutely dreadful she might better sing that's got nothing to do with it i just don't like the look of tattoos everybody else you know i thought she could have covered up for the festival of remembrance but she didn't her tattoos were all on display and i just i just don't like them actually i probably could probably go through this building i can't think of anybody actually off the top of my head who works up with LBC, who's covered in... T- just see if anybody's wearing any tattoos now, you know. Some people here might have sort of, you know, indiscreet little tattoos. Uh, the Rolling Stones, as we mentioned at the beginning of the programme, Christopher Wilson's done a piece today in the Mail as they've demanded a £1,000 a ticket to rake in 16 million quid. He asks the question, are they the world's greediest rock band? The answer is, of course. Of course they are. I mean, you know, they haven't had a they haven't even had a record in the charts for like five years. Been a long, long time, long, long time. And I wonder really, you know, whether we're not. I mean, half of them probably can't remember the words. They'll have to go out there and start rehearsing. But it'd be quite, quite nice actually. And um, the socialising scene is filmed at about one thirty in the afternoon. Is that for the Chelsea programme? Oh right, yeah. I, th- I think actually Graham's actually got a life and will be doing something at one thirty. Definitely. What I've got no amount, no idea at all. I'm afraid, probably business. I should imagine having meetings or eating at Scots or something like that. Something which you know people are very rich and do all the time. Uh, that's just about it for this morning. Let me tell you uh, that we'll have the free podcast for you up in about half an hour, where we'll uh, we'll find some lovely celebrities to rip apart. We might go for Peter Andre again. Actually, I'm feeling in that kind of benevolent sort of mood this morning. We're still trying to work out whether or not he will be bringing out laughingly a greatest hits album, or whether it's just a joke by one of our listeners. Um, apparently, we, and, and I did ask the question this morning: if anybody actually had a Peter Andre album. And luckily, you were either too scared of my wrath, uh, or, or you, you just don't have one. But we have found an LBC producer. In fact, the producer of the next program in LBC has a Peter Andre album. It's currently masquerading as a plant pot holder. I suspect is it actually a vinyl album, or is it a is it a CD? Is it a CD or a, an, it's a CD? Do, do you play it often? She plays it often. She knows all the word on there. It's marvellous. It really is. Peter Andre, the pop star, ladies and gentlemen. Have you got it signed? Perhaps we could send it away and see if we could get Pete to sign it for us. Or the children or his wife or something. I don't know. Lovely. So we did find one person this morning. We had to wait for ages for her to come. I mean, she had to take tablets and everything to be brave enough to put her hands up and say, excuse me, I have a Peter Andre album. Uh, I haven't. But I do have some other albums I'm equally ashamed of. Uh, We'll take uh, a short break. I'm back with you tomorrow morning between four. In fact, it's going to be quite a long break, actually, because I'm not back till four. But I will be back. In fact, it's even even longer break than even I imagine. Nick and the team will be here at seven. But next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC.